Hey there, friends. Bo Bishop here, and the hoops action is heating up, and Tipico Sportsbook is the best place to bet on the playoff action. Enjoy the most rewarding sportsbook with the hottest promos. Bet on select games. Earn a bet credit for each three-pointer made. Continue to rack up the rewards with the highest cash back in the industry with up to 5% cash back on your bets. Sign up now. Enter the promo code THEFAN100 to get $100 in bonus bets when you bet $25. Download the Tipico Sportsbook app today. That's promo code THEFAN100. Must be 21 or older, physically located in Ohio. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Congratulations, your morning just got a bit classier. A media legend, a ferocious linebacker, a clueless producer, and you. Searching for a replacement window online? Visit windownation.com today. So raise a glass and act accordingly. This is Bishop and Laurenitis. All right, let's do it live on a first Friday miracle edition of the program. How you live in threes? Oh, living the dream. Elite morning. Elite Are you really? morning. I'm tell you what. I, Solid I got workout, up, eggs? I got up. I got a 30-minute Stairmaster grind out. I backed that up oh, with a 30-minute infrared sauna sesh in the basement. So it was like, you know what? You're already flowing with sweat. Let's continue this. Nice little bake at 135 degrees from the inside out. Boom. Let's go. Of course, the breakfast was Gosh, great. I love that. Feel great about yourself. Then you yeah. hit some eggs and away you go. No doubt. A little eggs. How something. about a little egg? Can I, do, can I interest you in a scramble with uh, okay. some zucchini, some onions? How about a little leftover Brussels sprouts tossed in there? Let's just throw the kitchen sink in there. Uh, just Why totally elite. A little, a little garlic salt, a little uh, turmeric, a little everything bagel seasoning from Trader Joe's sprinkled on there. <laughs> what right. are we talking about? It's what just, do you want? It was great. It was great. I don't know that I've ever any combination of, of – scrambled or even what what is uh Cersei call them dippy eggs any sort dippy of eggs. any sort of egg situation where you combine it with onion and other vegetables and I, I can go two ways i go the trader joe's everything bagel and then that leads me into a sriracha topping situation oh, yes. for whatever yep. reason that's the taste palette there is yeah I, I go the everything bagel with the sriracha and really any vegetable with the eggs works the other way that i can go with that is Take get and know everything bagel seasoning, and then I go with the salsa, uh, huevos rancheros feel. So I can yeah. go both ways. It's um, really a win, and it, I've, it's never lost. It's undefeated. Never lost. Which I is mean, important. Yeah. yeah. Speaking it's of which, he's back in the line. Labella Ball. Yep. No Water question. Great, great little segue into that. Uh, we have to lost. listen to that moron again. Huh? <laughs> in retrospect, isn't that bad though? He's failed. I mean, hasn't he? In the sense of when I hear the I name Ball. No matter what, yeah. I think of him, and then it makes me want to vomit. So I yeah. don't know if that's winning or losing because, like, the family's name is already synonymous. Like, you can't think, you can't hear Lamelo or Lavar or whoever ball and not think yeah. of that family. Um, but unfortunately, when I think of the family, I don't think of gosh, these these b- boys are really talented, right? Or they're great dudes or whatever. I think of him, which then I guess unfairly for me makes me think of them guilty by association of him. Uh, which is unfair to them, but anyway. Uh, no, so I, I think it's interesting losing, because, but well, I it's I think he's I think it's not mutually exclusive. So he won if he won as a parent in that he developed two kids who are going to go in the top. I mean the the other uh, the kid who the Lakers picked the, the older one went to went second overall yeah. to the Lakers. Um, and this and Lamelo tonight in the draft is going to be a top ten pick, top five could go first. Who knows? Um, so he's you can't argue with that result. Like though you could 
argue with the way he went about it, like having this Lamelo kid have to go play in the Ukraine and at the Spire Institute in Northeast yeah. Ohio and then in Australia. You can argue with that. But in terms of developing basketball players, two kids drafted in the first round of the NBA draft is a success by oh, any absolutely. measure. Yeah. So, so, but you can also be an absolute failure in putting them in the best chance to succeed as pros by being an incredible distraction by being somebody who is toxic around the league and who puts the exact same thing you just described, that cloud over them of you can't help but but hear him when you think of them. And so they're behind the eight ball in that sense in that like they're judged agents, because right? of him. So when you make a yeah. decision to hire an agent, it, it's one of the most impactful decisions. Look, you, you make you, the player, makes the money for you. Right, like the agent does some mm-hmm. legal stuff, but the agent works for you. I think a lot of times players yeah. get that misconstrued that like you work for the agent. That's not the case. However, when I was deciding to pick an agent, it was I didn't want a guy who's going to go to the club with me. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for a best friend. Yeah. I'm looking for someone that can give me wise advice that's been around it. And then I'm looking at his clientele, and I want to see what kind of mm-hmm. dudes does he have. Um and then you ask around to other franchises, and I never wanted to sign with a guy that was like, for instance, if you sign with a dude who's like, "Oh man, this guy, uh, I can get access to this, that, and whatever." Like that wasn't me. Like a lot of these guys now sign with the dude who's like, "Well, he's connected to LeBron or Jay Z." It's like, okay, great. How many times are you actually hang with Jay Z? I don't know. Not my deal. Right, like, right. but if that's your deal, that whatever floats your boat. And they're a part of the big CAA umbrella anyway now, which is I chose Tom Condon because I saw the dudes that were that. Was, he was represented by. I saw the fact that when you talk to GMs, you said, you know what, Tom's difficult to negotiate with, but in the best business sense because he's trying to get the most for his dudes. Um, mm-hmm. But all 32 GMs were willing to negotiate. Like, there are some agents out there where GMs are like, oh, no, hell, no, I'll never sign one of his players. I can't stand that cat. Can't stand it. Like, there are guys yeah. that are agents that way where it's like the relationship is so toxic. And it's the same thing when you come across, you know, that. So I guess when I look at Lavar, I bet there are some GMs who are like, "I'm not dealing with that kid because I can't stand the father." Well, that happened with the Lakers. Yes, um, and that with, to me is a failure the, because Lonzo. that affects the money. Yeah. Like he's fine now, but I'm talking about like big picture. What you don't want to do is limit, whether it's a client or whether it's your son or daughter, don't limit their opportunities in life because of you and he limited his son's potential on where he could go play now he's fine i understand that but you would ultimately want your son or daughter to have opportunity to every single nba team and wide open like a a free open market but when you start taking away jobs because of the way you've acted that's selfish on your part as a parent oh there's no question i mean that's why i'm saying it's 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 two separate things that he's judged on right um it there's no real i'm trying to think if there's Another situation where there are two brothers who, I mean, the only thing I can think of are the Mannings, uh, but they're obviously Archie's the antithesis of this and that he would go in disguise to watch them play and all of this. And yet he right. was cutthroat in saying, Eli's not playing for the Chargers. Right. Like, I'm, I'm not having it. Like incredibly cutthroat and powerful. And that's rarely, that stink never comes back to Eli. Almost mm-hmm. never. You never even hear it brought up. I don't know if people are, you know, if you're, if you weren't paying attention to sports 15 years quick, ago. That's one. I don't team know that, if real quick though. Yeah, go ahead. No, I say that's one team that that CAA despised. Mm-hmm. They hated negotiating the with the San Diego Chargers because remember who was the GM at the time? Um, 
Spanos, wasn't it? No, 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 Spanos is owner. One um, why Smith? am I blanking on that Smith? guy? I can Something? picture his face. Know. That's anyway. it, Smith. Yeah, Something. sure. Sounded He's got good. a beard. <laughs> Bigger guy. But CAA AJ Smith, is that them. it? Yes, I think so. Is it Sounds AJ good. Smith? That's what I was going to go for. I think it is, yeah. But anyway, that's yeah. CAA, Archie. Tom says, you don't want to play there. Not you don't want to go there. They're not going to take care of you. No question. But if it's not Eli Manning, how does it look? Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, Absolutely. what if it was somebody else? What if, you know, like, what remember, if like, Newton? the... What if it was Cam Newton? What if it was Michael Vick? What if they? What if Michael Vick? Because the Chargers had that pick, yeah. and they traded it to the Falcons. Vick was planning on going to play for the Chargers. What if Vick would have said, "I'm not playing in San Diego"? What would right. the hellfire have been on him? Tons. You know what Tons. would the hellfire have been on somebody else? But the Mannings navigated it, and it's almost like it's forgotten. And I think a big part of it is because Philip Rivers was really good, and so it it worked out okay. Like they ended up getting a franchise quarterback anyway. I don't know if is Eli Manning better than Philip Rivers in historical context. He's got the two Super Bowls, obviously, mm. but is he a better? Has he was he a better NFL quarterback than Philip Rivers? I don't know. He'll get in the Hall of Fame faster. He will. The two Super Bowls will do that. He's yeah. going to be. It's going to be a tough. That'll be a very interesting conversation. Um, but there's a lot of way to be the stage dad, and um, and. And, and Lavar's done it his way. He has been quiet the last couple of years. I can't help but laugh anytime he would his his the way he was committed to that thing. How he would beat anybody one on one and say that never lost. The way he would it still cracks oh, me up. It's amazing. It's funny or because I, I have teammates out, that way too. By the way, to argue I with Stephen A. That way. <laughs> yeah, that's never lost. I mean, just was. Amazing. I mean, I have teammates Absolutely that were like amazing. they'd be like, "Oh, I'm a mama. I used to average like 38, 12, and twelve in high school." Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, bro. Dead serious. I'm my mom. All right, bro. I don't know why you're lying to your mom like that. Okay. That's, that's disrespectful. But I know for a fact you were averaging that. Otherwise, you know, you're here. <laughs> Where was your Dude, college? At school? least, I'll say I this. Mean, it was Will Hayes. I can, I can, like I can speak who it was, too. It was Will Hayes. Will he Hayes. played at Winston-Salem can State, we, bro. Come on. Listen, can we at one point get him on? And no, because I cannot, I cannot Please. for the sake of our show continuing to be on air, I cannot put him on air and trust that something... So, Ridiculous won't come out of his mouth. He's the, more of a podcast. The format real truth. Kind of guy. He's a podcast format. So yeah. The amount of times that you reference him and uh, Chris references him, anybody who's associated with the Rams references Will Hayes, and I don't even remember him as a player. Um, and then it's I was you know obviously wasn't covering the team at that time, or, or have, nor have I ever. But just from the standpoint of I don't remember him as a player. Um, but the amount of times that I hear his name mentioned by either you or Chris or anybody who played on those Rams teams, it's a I just feel like he'd be great for forty five minutes. To just, oh gosh, he'd be right, outstanding be for forty five minutes best. on a podcast. He'd be yeah. outstanding. He'd be wonderful. But the problem is, as far as you know, a, a serious hey, you have to be on the straight and narrow here. That that doesn't. The that's not what he's interested. Would not. In. Yeah, no, that's not what he's interested. In. <laughs> he wants to be. Yeah, um, he wants to be straight. You know what? I want to be. He's just entertaining. He's so entertaining. I mean, yeah. what other guy can you think of that can go to? You know, I think I've told this story before, but it's like a, a charity fundraiser for something completely. Like for instance, he could go to one of Chris's Water Boys thing, and if he gets up to speak, he's gonna. You know what? I'm starting a foundation on saving the mermaids. And he'll talk about it for five yeah. minutes, dead serious, about how dinosaurs are fake and mermaids are real. And he'll literally be asking people, <laughs> like legit people that are high up in Anheuser-Busch and all these people that would 
you know, are there for serious reasons. But he'd be dead serious. So, like, you'd look at him and, like, you'd be kind of laughing, but he wouldn't be. So, you'd be like, he kind of has that uncomfortable, like, hilariousness to him where he tells yeah. certain stories. That's why when he tells you, like, Will, stop it. You did not average 38, and, you know, but he's dead serious. Like, there's no smiling, there's no yeah. joking. And you're like, I don't even know how to take this cat. I don't know how to take him. That's amazing. It's amazing. But yeah, I, I, uh, for instance, I wake up we- to a new. I wake up to a new group text from this cat. We have a old Rams, you know, group message, and yeah. I have to do not disturb it. And then I have to literally, if it says from Will Hayes with like any kind of link on it, I have to make sure that I am alone over in the like a corner room <laughs> with the sound off because I have no idea what just came through. No idea what just came through. <laughs> not a, not appropriate. Not always appropriate. Certainly, uh, it is Indiana week. You'll hear from Coach Day about the uh, about the Hoosiers, and we'll go behind enemy lines uh, with how Tom Allen's program has been. They are a top ten team, guys. I mean, that's the reality of the situation. We know, uh, you know, how we've gotten to this point with the rankings and some of the things that are going on there. But that's a top ten matchup for the Buckeyes this week against the Hoosiers. We had Maction last night. Uh, I did watch a little of it. It was a little bit of the Kent State Akron game, and then it got out of control in the in the second pretty quickly uh good to hear former buckeye dustin fox on the call on that one on the on the big espn as well lots to get to as uh as we navigate a first friday including your officially endorsed which we'll hit you with at the end of the program um as you may or may not know the nba draft is tonight and while i don't know any of these kids or who is going to be good i do think the nba gets one thing right and i would like to see some other leagues do it as well we will get into that coming up next off and running here on a first friday bishop and lauren right here on the fan Sports, conversation, and sometimes pure stupidity. It's awesome, funny, random. Your home of the Buckeyes. The fan. Ohio's sports destination. A show that knows its limitations. Still learn to control that. You're listening to Bishop and Laurenitis. And brought to you by our great friends at Window Nation. If you're in need of search of replacement windows, check them out. 866-90-NATION, windownation.com today. They will take care of you the way that they take care of us. The NBA draft is tonight. The Daily Fan Poll, sponsored by Riker for today's fan poll at 971thefan.com, who will be the first player picked in tonight's NBA draft. Anthony Edwards out of Georgia, James Wiseman out of Memphis, Lamella Ball, uh, who played professionally in Australia. I, I can be very candid with you. I've seen none of those kids play. I've seen none of those guys play. I've seen Lamelo play like high school stuff. Yeah, but I've never like watched any of them play. I don't remember. Uh, Georgia was no good, and Wiseman's the kid who uh, Penny Hardaway uh, brought to Memphis and then had to sit out. And so, you know, we just haven't seen these kids play. They're, Chop sent me this. This is pretty remarkable, just from a lack of awareness standpoint. So Anthony Edwards. Now keep in mind, he's in the mix to go number one overall. He was asked if he liked basketball. He said, "Quote: To be honest, I can't watch basketball." Um, he retells the story the first time he dunked, and then he continues. Um, he said, I'm still not really into it. I love basketball. Yeah, it's what I do. Um, and he said, if you were drafted the NFL tomorrow, he'd let basketball go, basketball go because he says, quote, because you can do anything on the field. You can spike the ball. You can dance. You can do all the type of disrespectful stuff. In the NBA, he says, you can't do any of that. I'm quoting here, guys. You'll get fined. He goes on to say that he's an aspiring rapper. And he says, um, so they were talking about, they asked him about Damian Lillard. And he said, but I, re- I really can rap. Dame talking about, I don't know what he's talking about, and I'm rapping like Lil Baby. I mean, this is, these are quotes. So, like, if you were so taking a guy. Real, wrong. Boyd, right? You're taking a guy number one overall. I hope he, and he doesn't. Number one overall. And he would, he would go play football in I'm a not second. I'm interested. Yes. 
Jeez. I mean, I, that's I, pretty I don't know about you, right? but like when I watch the NBA, man, I'm pretty sure there's still taunting that happens. Like guys are certainly oh, respectful, yeah, for but sure. there's still plenty. I, mean, I don't know what he's talking about. More than the NFL, Jarvis Landry got a 15 <laughs> no yarder for spiking about. it after a first down. So I mean, there's yeah. and all he did was spike it after a big first down on a third down play. So I know, yeah, way more than there is in the NFL. And in terms of doing the disrespectful stuff, I would think it would be kind of Next a wash coming soon, bro. I'll tell you what, I don't know what team he goes to, but wherever he goes, when they play Portland, take Portland. <laughs> and take Damian Lillard to get sixty because he right. will put Dame Lillard will put sixty on that kid. Yeah, he, he will put he will embarrass him. He will put sixty on him. Um, the uh, I don't know any of these guys. This is what's happened. the The NBA, so many of these drafts, it's there's people you just don't know. I mean, they're they're so rare when you get a Zion draft, and and the league. I think it's tough because kids come into this league and they are kids. They're eighteen years old. And they're expected to, to, to go out and, and lead franchises, and it takes them a long time to develop, and then they move on to other teams. So their system, in that sense, I do believe is relatively broken. I think they get one thing very right, though, and I think that's the lottery. And I do think that the NFL would benefit tremendously from a draft lottery. And I don't think this was a problem up until really Cleveland was the first team to outwardly tank a season. Now, never acknowledged it, but you could tell by the roster they did not put that team in the best position to win. But most NFL teams go into a season believing that they can compete. That's the way it's been forever. Like As you say many times, the whole idea is everybody's 8-8. Eight and eight. So it's yeah. a game here, a game there that keeps you from 6-10 and 10 or 10-6. and six. So up until recently, that's kind of been the attitude. Now, there was the instance with the Colts, right, where Manning goes down with an injury and they leaned into it. You know, they leaned into it and, yeah. and leaned in because Andrew Luck was out there and was going to be the pick. So that that's that happened. But what we're seeing this year with the Jets, what we're seeing with the Jaguars, this is these are tanks to get Lawrence to get Fields. And and I think that's a tough spot for the NFL. Because the NF the physicality of the NFL, the once a week nature of the NFL, I don't know if it lends itself to tank. And I'm wondering if it is time for the NFL to consider a lottery system. So the hard thing is, is that like when you think of tank, um, these things come from the front office, right? These yes. aren't players, even in Correct. the NBA. It's just how do we deplete our rosters? How do we mm-hmm. field something to where it's it's poor enough um, to where we can acquire a bunch of talent now? They still have to strike on these, and you still have to have the right coaches in place. Like so, eventually it will affect the bottom line in football, which will never make an owner happy. I think that's the one thing where before we, I'm not opposed to a lottery type thing. I kind of like the way it is set up right now because here's the issue: Mr. Khan down in Jacksonville might say, "Hey, okay, we're we can I'll buy into this thing to get Lawrence, okay, or Fields. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you get one of them." Well, Mr. Khan, do you have the right coach in place? Do you have the right GM in place to make sure that... Okay, that's the obvious pick. It's the picks after him. It's the pick yeah. at the top of the second round. Do you stay put? Do you trade back? Do you trade up? It's those picks. It's a pick at the top of the third round. Do you have that pick down to where you're not just getting a quarterback with nobody around him? Like, Joe Burrow's great, but what's the Bengals' record? Look at the yeah. roster around him. So now it's it's they got their quarterback, 
But is Zach Taylor the guy? Now the questions are, is it Zach Taylor the guy? Can they can they draft guys this year? T. Higgins looks to be a great draft pick. So if you look at that draft, you say, man, that looks good. That looks really good. With T and Joe, that's good. Now can you back it up? Yeah. Can you back it up with another? Because if you don't, then there's new coach and there's new GM, and then maybe you wasted a quarterback. Maybe he becomes a, air quotes, bust, when really it's not the kid's fault. It's the fact that your organization didn't support him and you didn't develop him because you didn't have the right coach, the right infrastructure, all that. So... It's so much harder to pull off in football. I saw the stat the other day about, uh, I don't even know what it was. It was something about, I don't know if it's yards or whatever by rookies all time or whatever, rookie or quarterbacks. But anyway, the list was great. It was like Manning, Burrow, Mayfield. and It took you back and you're like, oh my gosh. Like it was just, For some reason, it was like an epiphany. It just dawned on me. I was like, a couple of years ago, you would have thought Cleveland had it set. You would think like, oh, the, the tank was sure. complete. You got your quarterback. You got yeah. the talent around him. And now you're sitting here a couple years later, two coaches, right, with Freddie, and then now you're on Stefanski, mm-hmm. and now you're on this whole analytical thing, and you think you have it made, but now you're questioning the quarterback because some of those habits in that moment made him this way. Baker was a gunslinger, was just brash, was big. like He was just confident. Mm-hmm. And because of hiring his buddy buddies and Coach Kitchens and all that, bad habits formed. He starts losing trust in people around him, starts losing trust in himself, confidence in himself. And now you have another regime trying to build it back up. Can he get back to that? I don't know. But every week that goes by, you start to doubt it because the only way he's going to feel like he can is if he has a 300-yard-plus game to where he's the reason why they won. He loves winning. Don't get me wrong. But for Baker's psyche, he needs a game to where they run for like 120 total combined, Hunt and Chubb, yeah. but he throws for 350, three touchdowns, no picks, and everyone's praising him, patting him on the back, and he can sprint down the field. Once like, You've seen him twice this year maybe sprint down the field. That was all the time rookie year, like having yeah. fun, knowing that I'm having fun because I'm that dude. You can't stop me. Yeah. Well, that's that's non-existent. This year in it's Baker true. Mayfield, and so the you, pushback I would give you on that though is is this not from not about Baker, but just in terms of this. The only small pushback I give you on the overall point is this: that for 15 years, the Browns drafted, reset, drafted, reset, drafted, reset. When they tanked and drafted number one overall, they are six and three, despite all of the mistakes in the coaching and everything that's happened and the uncertainty around Baker. When you draft, when you acquire assets like an extra extra second round pick that leads to Nick Nick Chubb, uh, Denzel Ward, the Denzel Ward pick, when you trade away players and get assets, and they've hit on a lot of them, so they the Baker question is still out there. But because of what they did from an asset accumulation standpoint, they were able to draft Nick Chubb, Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett number one, Baker Mayfield number one. Now the question's out there on Baker, but they've had a lot more swings at it because of what they did than yeah. they did previously. So you're right, Baker, completely. you got to hit on it. You have to hit on it. And that, to your point on Joe, you have to hit on it. you got to put people around him. Um, the, the Tampa Bay Bucks would have thought they won the lottery when they drafted J- Jameis Winston. Yeah. But did they put him in the best position to succeed? Doesn't seem like it, despite right. a ton of talent. And then is he somebody who's going to – is he willing to accept the coaching and all of that? And some of it's just dumb luck. You had Sam. If Sam doesn't get hurt – who knows what Sam ends up being? Right. I mean, he was as as highly regarded as anybody coming out. So yeah, the 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 big difference between the NBA and the and and the NFL is the NFL. It's a hundred moving pieces, and one player like Zion Williamson 
maybe can save a franchise in New Orleans. Right. You know, John Morant maybe can save a franchise in Memphis. So you don't have that type of swing. Um, but I guess what I would say is what would be the harm in a lottery in the NFL? What would be the harm of it? Um, it to, to just make – and by the way, for the NFL Network, it's another day of programming. Right. Can you imagine the ratings on no, that thing? Be pretty if elite. They, if they did that, it would be good. They'd be pretty You're right, elite. though. The NFL, it's so many pieces – and I, my my favorite example of it is Stafford. If he's drafted somewhere else, what's his career? And really, we talked about this off the top. It's Eli. If he wouldn't have forced the trade to the Giants, he plays his whole career in San Diego. What's he look like? Mm. I mean, where yeah. you're drafted, <sighs> critical. It's critical stuff. We're going to have a guy draft. He's going to go very high. It's Justin Fields. He will hopefully get back into action this week on Big Noon against the Indiana Hoosiers. You'll hear from Coach Day up next. Bishman Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Get it straight from the horse's mouth. But he's not a horse. He's a coach. The Ryan Day Show. Thursday at noon. The Fan. It's Bishop and Laurinaitis is What's Up. What's up, man? What's up, all right, here's what's up on a first Friday. Ryan Day's press conference yesterday addressing several things. Chief among them, what Indiana has done so far this season. Let's have a listen. I, I think Indiana deserves credit. I think Tom deserves credit. The way that they're playing right now, I mean, they're just playing really, really well. And um, like I said, you know, in all three phases, um, making very few mistakes. They're, they're playing well. And, and I think they're, they're the ones that deserve the credit more than anything else. And as I told you yesterday, this game will be played in Dayton. Um, and so here is uh, at noon on the big noon kickoff. I'm kidding, obviously. Don't. I, I, have no, I, I don't want anyone to run off. I have no idea wait, where Dayton? these games are going to be. What do you mean? Wait, what did he say? They really playing in Dayton? No. Uh, yesterday, as it was, uh, it, which has just happened about a half dozen times, I think, or so this year, where I've been unable to identify where a Buckeye game is going to be played without fans. So yesterday, I thought this game was going to be played in Bloomington. Um, and so that's that's where we are. It will be here. It will be at noon, and here's Ryan Day on that. Especially this time of year, just a little bit, you know, the sun's on you a little bit more, and and just, you know, waiting around all day is something that uh, none of us really love. If it's going to be a packed house in an electric environment, that's one thing, but it's all the same. I think some of us prefer playing earlier. It's a great point. It's a fantastic point. That without the environment, 8 o'clock's got to suck. Yeah. You don't mind, right. I mean, you don't mind night games every once in a while, but to be honest, most football players want to play the, the, the early window, even when we're in the league. Like, you want to play at one. Yes, you want to play, you want to get out. The reason is, is that like, very rarely do you have time in your week in a long season to decompress, to crack open a beer, and just mm-hmm. woosaw for what just, and I'm talking about just sitting, like nothing was better in college than getting done after a noon kick, yeah. going back to your place at Old Tangy Commons or Marble Cliff Commons, wherever you were at, mm-hmm. laying on your sweet, big, giant couch, cracking open a beer, and just watching the afternoon games, and just for a few hours, not prepping yeah. or thinking mentally about scheme, football, tendencies, all that. Because you knew once you woke up on Sunday... You were going to relive every play you just did, and then you were going to lift, and you were going to flip the mode onto the next one, and then the yeah. mental preparation start, and then you're you're instantly went from having nothing like 
everything accomplished. You play the game. Let's decompress. All right, now let's go. Boom. Now you're you're automatically on. Here's my to-do list, okay? Monday I have to do uh, first and second down runs and play action pass, bootlegs, all that stuff. Boom. Uh, Tuesday, let's knock out um, a little bit more of just the drop back pass stuff. Maybe a little – see, what do they have to do on second and ten? Are they more of a get back on track, meaning they're going to run the ball, do screens, trying to make it a third manageable, or do they treat second and ten like third and ten? They treat second and ten like third and ten. Okay, now let's just jump into the third down package uh, Wednesday, and let's do okay, now short yardage on Thursday and, and goal line and all. So you have a to do list of film to watch, let alone game plan install, let alone workouts. Oh, and then school. So it's nice to play at noon because that's the only time after that you get to decompress and just go. Okay, I don't got to think about a damn thing except just watching ball. What's going on around the country for the rest of the day? And the same thing in the NFL. It's it's you know you get done on Sunday because guess what you play at eight. You're still going to be in there. It might not be as early the next morning on Sunday, but you're still going in there on Sunday. And you yeah. get done at a late game. I mean, especially this year with the COVID year, there ain't no going out anywhere. You're going back to the place and trying to fall asleep. And that's it. So I I love the new games. Yeah, I, and I think the you know the night everything's done for t for TV obviously now and you got to fill all those television windows with your partners um but without recruits coming in without the environment it's sleepy yeah i mean those are sleepy games um you mean it's and i sleepy in Piscataway and a 7:30 kick michigan <laughs> at rutgers yeah i think i think it could be me, they're going to be firing the cannon still yeah. with masks <laughs> i think it i think it could be about the idea of you at Piscataway at like midnight and it's just silent is I'm sorry. This brings. Believe a it or not, Rutgers is one of the most frustrating and longest places to get out of stadium-wise. Just the way it's set up. Way it's set up. It's not even the fact of like traffic. I mean, there, there could be half full stadium, quarter full stadium. It doesn't matter. You're going to be sitting yeah. there for a while. It's because there's like two ways out, and that's it. And it's single I, lane. Stop I do lanes. think the the night game has led to uh, without environment has led to a lot of bad games. And we we've, obviously Notre Dame Clemson was great, but if you look at the average score of like the Herb Street Fowler games, the eight yeah. o'clock ABC games, they're beatdowns in many cases. Yeah. And I think people just stop. I just don't know if you still have the juice to carry you through. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of an off the wall theory, but even in the Mac game I watched last night with Akron and Kent, I mean, it was the second half. It's it ends up sixty nine thirty five or something like that. Like Kent just kept going. It was like, okay, what are we doing here? And I right. wonder if that happened to us against Rutgers. You know. Where you're just like, geez, we're up. What do we, you know, who's going to carry you? As a starter, you go in there and you say to yourself at halftime, especially on defense, all right, boys are going to go down there, get a touchdown, we get the ball first, let's three and out it, and then we're done for the day. Right. Sweet. And I guarantee at halftime, you know, coaches are walking around saying, hey, be ready, CJ, be ready, or, you know, Jack, be ready, until all the backups and let's go take care of business. Go down and score. Let's go. Because they talked about discussing taking Justin out of halftime. So, of course, yeah. they were telling the backups to be ready. Coaches yeah. are already sending the message. So, as a starter, when you hear that to the backups, be ready. You're like, oh, we're almost done. Yeah. And then there's no yeah. juice to sustain you. Like, you're already – because at halftime, you try to move around. You don't want to get stiff, especially college halftimes because they're forever. I don't know why they're still forever. It must be a TV thing because there ain't no damn band performing in any Big Ten school. So, I don't know why are they still – why are halftime still – I mean, I, I am blown Just away. TV to get in the ads. That's why it, it is. must be. To get those, yeah, it must be. But those. pro, but pro halftimes are super short. They get in plenty isn't of ads and make money. Isn't the pro halftime shorter anyway? I'm just, everything's shorter in the pros. Yeah. Like, it's oh, yeah, my point is sure. that the NFL is making plenty of money with having shorter ads at halftime. It's yeah. mostly for the band and the pageantry. 
why yeah. college half times are longer. It's because they have they want to do the bands and the whole deal and like you have this yeah, long that's all gone. fifteen minute performance. Well, that's Speed not even there. Up. They're not allowing yeah. bands in the stadium. Yeah, we got the yeah, virtual Zoom up. band going on. I'm like, what are we? What are we doing? Yeah, that's not going to work. I, well, like the other day, um, I was like, I got I get confused by it. I went and did some laundry, came back down, and I was like, wait, halftime's over the Browns game? Oh yeah, pros. Is oh so yeah, fast. they're quick. Yeah, the NFL, yeah, they, they're powering them through. Uh, real treat coming up next. Your former teammate, all around good guy, NFL vet. I think he's currently doing Panthers games, isn't he? The great Kurt yes. Coleman. He will join us coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on the fan. Your home of the Buckeyes, Jackets, NFL, Major League Baseball, and pretty much everything you can shake a stick at. What? It's a saying. The fan. Simultaneously passing the eye test, the smell test, and the ear test. Huge win. That's a big win. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. Hi, Bishop and Laurinaitis here on The Fan. Privileged to head out on the Brian Eating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline to be joined by Kirk Coleman, of course, former Buckeye great, All-American, James's former teammate, 10-year NFL vet, and Kyle's little brother, which is probably most famous. Kirk, how you doing, bud? <laughs> hey, what a great intro. Thank you, Bo. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well this morning. How about you guys? We're good, man. He paid me to say it, to be fair. Kyle paid me. He compensated me well to say it. Um, all right, buddy. We got a lot to get to with you, and I know you're big into Movember. We want to get to that as well. Uh, but you're on the Panthers broadcast now as well. What, what has this transition been like for you going from a player? You were always so good with the media as a player here at Ohio State. You could tell, honestly, that you had it very quickly if you wanted to do that. What's this transition been like from, from off the field to, to in the booth? You know, honestly, it's been a, it's been a, a, a an awesome experience because I think some of the best things in life happen when you kind of unexpectedly um, kind of get thrusted into it. Um, for myself, I, I knew I enjoyed talking and, and being a part of the media, but I never really felt like that was a passion of mine. And it was a phone call on a Monday, and they had a uh, Wednesday night practice, and they wanted me to do a live uh, practice um, for their fan night since the fans couldn't be there. So I was on TV broadcasting, and I had no background training for it, and I was kind of just thrown into it. And it was it was a lot of fun. And I realized that, you know, I can take some of my study habits that I had from learning and playing the game of football, and I can kind of put it into that realm and to be able to speak fluently. Um, and then also I think when you have a good play-by-play or a co-host, um, it, makes your, it makes your job a lot easier, and I'm sure – uh, James is benefiting so much from you, um, being, being, you know, taking on all the weight. <laughs> you took my joke away from me, Kurt. I was, I was really, honestly, just sitting here thinking, like, I mean, that's why this show is amazing. It's still on airs because Bo, Bo has to carry us. Um, the, the Movember movement. Talk to us about it, man. I know you're, you're into this. You're passionate about it. Um, talk, tell the people about it. Yeah. So, well, the, the number one thing is. For everyone out there, um, man, woman, boy, girl, um, this is an issue that is going to affect us all. So for this month, obviously, people see crazy uh, men wearing some disgusting mustaches. I'm wearing handlebars right now. Amazing. Um, my brother, I don't even know what he calls what he has. But the, the awesome thing about it is um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to raise awareness and raise funds to um, bring to light a lot of situations that men deal with. Um, the men's health issue, the mental health that we're dealing with, you talk about one in nine men uh, in their lifetime are going to have prostate cancer. Um, then you say, uh, you look at other statistics saying um, three out of four people are men that are committing suicide. 103 p- 
people that are men are committing suicide a day. Um, and then obviously one of the most, um, most common forms of cancer are testicular cancer, and that's going to affect all of us at some point. So uh, you, you look at the statistics and you're saying, what can we do? How can we get involved and be a part of something? So my brother has funded um, this team, and it's been, a, it's been built from the ground up. I, I will give him all the credit for um, starting this several years ago, and I was able to be a silent investor in this, and now I am a, a willing and, and an able participant of it. Um, we are the Whisker Warriors. And it, it's just really fun. So if anyone wants to go to my Instagram page, um, K4 Cole 20, um, I have my link in the bio and you guys can just check it out. I'm doing an awesome, uh, exclusive gear giveaway, um, for 10 days. So we are eight days into this, uh, raffle and it's $25 to get in a ticket. And at the end of the 10 days on November 26th, we're going to, um, select a few winners for some very exclusive, um, autograph memorabilia. Oh, that's awesome. Great stuff. Talking to the great Kirk Coleman with us on the program. Um, obviously your, your, your day job is paying attention to the Panthers and the NFL, but my guess is you moonlight following your Buckeyes as well. What do you, where do you sit, Kurt, on this? We played three games, man. And we've had teams that have played eight. I mean, James and I are like, we know we're one of the four best teams in the country, but I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be enough for people, if, if the number of games are enough. And, and you're down in SEC country and obviously Clemson country. What, do you, what is your vantage point and what is your view kind of on where the Buckeyes stand and what, what will be required for them to, to get into that playoff? In, in my opinion, because this year is going to be a crazy year, nobody knows how many games are going to play for anybody. Obviously, the SEC um, and the ACC got to jump on everybody. But at the end of the day, I think, the the amount of games, whether it's six games, whether it's ten games, however many games, I think they're all going to be um, on a almost on a prorated scale, and I think you have to evaluate everything in almost the eyes test of saying, do we want this team to be in there? I think obviously Notre Dame beating Clemson, but Clemson was shorthanded not having Trevor Lawrence, so how does that weigh in the committee's mind? But I think if the Buckeyes continue to play the way they do, and I think their defense needs to continue to improve on the back end, especially. Um, especially with a couple injuries that they have. But I like where the Buckeyes stand right now. I like how they've been playing together. I think Justin Fields is playing amazing. And he's by far, um, he's one, two, if not Trevor Lawrence, it's Justin Fields. And those two guys are just head and shoulders above anybody else in the country right now. Kurt, you, you, you know Luke Fickle really well, and I have to ask it. And it feels weird even asking it. I was hoping But if, if Michigan calls him and says, Luke, we'll give you – eight plus a year to come up here and run the program. Do you think there's any chance in you know what, that he entertains it? Eight mil a year is a lot. I just, I, it's one of the most, yeah. I get asked this every day, almost by Buckeye fans, buddy up here. And I'm wondering, I don't know how to read it. My gut says there's no way, but man, eight mil a year is a lot. What, what say you, you've, you've obviously spent a lot of time around Luke as well. What do you think? Yeah. I was actually just talking to Marcus uh, yesterday. Um, oh, his son. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one of eight now. He's got eight. Um, it, it's. It, I think you have to entertain it because you're talking about uh, generational wealth right there. You're talking about setting up not only yourself and your wife, but your kids and their kids' kids. Um, giving him such a platform to be able to do things. But the, I think what he's been able to do in Cincinnati is remarkable in itself. And I think, you know, Luke is so loyal to Ohio. I almost want, uh, don't see him making that jump to Michigan. I can see him maybe going to a different program. 
but what he's been able to build at Cincinnati is is something that um, not a lot of coaches are able to do. And the, the consistency that he has with the players, and I think he's going to continue to get top recruits now. Um, he's going to start stealing certain recruits out of Ohio that may want to go to Ohio, but they know or Ohio State, but now they know I have a great shot and I have a great coach, coaching staff to go be a part of in Cincinnati. So I think you know Luke is going to obviously have to weigh the pros and cons, and Cincinnati should reward him if that is the case. If he's getting offers from outside, which he will at the end of this year, um, Cincinnati needs to honor that and, and really match whatever offers out there. I'm sure they'll try. Kurt, it's it's great talking to you, man. Uh, folks, get on. Kurt, give the Instagram one more time so the people can uh, can get on there and get involved. Yeah, absolutely. K for Cole 20. And James said that he would donate. He would match whatever at the end of the yeah, day uh, donation. So the more donations yeah. we get, James said he would match it. And then I will also match whatever the tally is at the end of the day as well. Boom. Well, there you go. go I mean, how, how you beating that? That's fantastic. Good talking to you, buddy. Continued success. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. All right. That is uh, that is the great Kirk Coleman joining us on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. I Somebody asked me about, I think Matt Andrews asked me about this yesterday, and we were talking about the Trestle guys. So many of you guys are just good dudes. There's a lot of good guys. We had like, a really just fun locker room. A, yeah, yeah. We had a you really just fun had, locker room. That defense you played on, just really good, a lot of really good stand-up human beings. Really were. Um, and th- those were my first teams I covered. And then here. there's me. And Kurt was in the middle of it. That's right. That's right. Uh, all right. Coming up at the top of the hour, massive uh, game for the Buckeyes on Saturday in the sense that it just really needs to be played. And those aren't my words. They're Ryan Day's. You'll hear it coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Is on The Fan. Pushing the limit of how many times you can say the word thing in one show. That's the next thing. That is the next thing. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. You know, I was listening to Coach Day's press conference yesterday. And he was asked um, uh, about his team and had this to say in terms of evaluating it. You don't know about your team, but at the same time, we kind of we kind of know who we are because we've just seen us go through so much adversity. We've seen the way we've responded to things that we see the daily decisions and the sacrifices that have been made over time, uh, the way we, we've stuck together. Uh, we just haven't played a lot of football. And that's the, that's the crazy thing. And, there's no there's no way to replace playing in games, and so we're just gonna keep moving on and, and just take every day and every game as it comes and, and understand that every game is a blessing. I'm gonna say I'm gonna tell you right now that you know we we just had Kurt on. It's great talking to him again, and and we view it this way. We say we've seen enough, um, but there will be people who don't live here who will poke holes in this and talk about who have we beaten and say, how can you possibly let a team in who has played half as many games? That will be the pushback, and it will be significant. And it will come from the Southeastern Conference, whose commissioner I think is the most powerful commissioner in college sports at this time. And he would like nothing more, and I don't blame him. He's he's out there fighting for his – it's his entity – Right, Sankey's out there fighting for his entity. He doesn't want to push back the playoff. Of course not. No, he's good. We went with it. We were able to do it. We're gonna yeah, play. he would love. I mean, he would even. He, I would. I would assume. Well, oh, no, they would. I won't, won't go that far. But he wants nothing more than Bama, Florida, Bama A yeah. and M as two of the four teams. Yeah, and I don't blame him. I mean, he's fighting for his entity. So when you think of from our perspective, how hard it is to evaluate this team, it's not hard to evaluate this team. 
It's really easy to evaluate this team. If you've watched football in your life, you can take off the scarlet and gray colored glasses and go, yeah, for sure. Four best yeah. teams, no question. Yeah. Um, you can look at, at uh, Dane Brugler's Beast Draft uh, Manifesto, and you go, boy, look at all the Buckeyes here. There's a lot of them. Um, yeah. you can, you can talk to Mike Renner as we do, and you can say, well, he could have, you know, three first round picks and, and a bunch more in the, in the middle round. So you know the talent is there. You know that Ryan Day's an elite coach. But when you don't play the games, you allow for dissension and you allow yeah. for an argument to be made. And so every game this team plays to get closer to those SEC teams numbers, to those ACC team numbers are critical. I mean, if it's between one loss, if Notre Dame loses close to Clemson and they've played 10 games and are 9-1 and one, and they lose to Clemson in the ACC championship game and Clemson's mm. also 9-1 and one, and we're 4-0, and oh, mm. that's tough. So that's what you got to hope. You got to hope for the fact that you're able to play these games as they go forward. You got to hope Illinois uh, has uh, you know their stuff under control. You got to hope Michigan State and Michigan don't have any outbreaks. Uh, you think about the worst case scenarios. Like Michigan still has to play Penn State, and what's going to be a barn burner? Um, who knows? Maybe Big Ten will get that one. We thought Big Ten Network would get Penn State, Michigan. Uh, right? It won't happen. It won't happen. ESPN will grab it. The um, brands will. Way the out brands there, will yeah. come anyway. So. But anyway, you have to hope that Michigan keeps everything under control. Like they ha- they have a game against Rutgers this weekend and night in Piscataway, and you have to say to yourself, okay, Michigan's obviously the way more talented football team, but Rutgers beat Michigan State. Michigan State beat Michigan, mm-hmm. and you have to say, well, who knows if they fake all these things? I I expect it to be a closer game than people anticipate. Um, just because you have a team that's playing with a huge give a crap level, and we'll see what Michigan's is. With yeah. all the noise circulating, uh, you have to hope you get to seven, eight games. I mean, you were you were going to have nine with the Champions Week, right? And now you're down to eight. So you got to hope you at least get to seven, six, seven. I think six is probably the the, the least. I think six and zero oh would be the least. But even then, you're going to have some that are like, no, no. I think six and zero. Oh- Six and zero with uh, a big win over Indiana this weekend, and one you know a couple of more impressive wins. You know, thumping Illinois, thumping Michigan, thumping Michigan State, which you'll do, and then Wisconsin waiting for you yeah. in the Big Ten championship game undefeated. I think that six and zero is unimpeachable. That that they would be, it'd be very hard to argue with that. And yeah. because of our track record, because of who we are as a program, uh, because of, frankly, what we would do from a television audience standpoint, the yeah. the, uh, the television partners would love us in it. Of There's course. nothing better that you could sell than Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields. I mean, if I mean the idea, if you could, if you have those two guys in it, jeez. I mean, if somehow tra- if somehow Col- uh, Florida was able to beat Alabama. And and somehow Clemson drilled Notre Dame, and it was Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, Florida, and you had all of those first round quarterback type guys. Right. That's I mean that's what you want, and we're the biggest bully of them all when it comes to a rating standpoint. I mean it's anytime we're on, we rate. Um, and I actually think it's a an enormous part of Big Noon kickoff and that pregame shows success that it's had is that it's leading into Buckeye games. That's a huge part of it that yep. they have this there's no other program that carries that type of national ratings push um and so all of that stuff matters but i think that six is where you settle on and it if it's less than that 
And these others, I mean, we're talking, some of these other schools have already played eight games. And we played three. That's that's even hard ground for me to argue on, to be right. honest. Yeah. That's a tough spot for me to go, yeah, we you know, deserve to be in there. And it, of no fault of our own. And you and I warned against this. We warned against this, that it's not just us doing our part. We had to have people to play. Right. And I feel way different about it if the cancellation was the Big Ten told Maryland they can't play. Because then I you're like, too. you know what? I don't feel bad. Because then, then, then you say, you know what? Okay, I understand. You know, like it's not – I'm not going to blame the Maryland players, this, that, whatever. But when you are self-canceling after a massive win – it just you see how many people are out at Flo- Miami, Florida, and then yeah, I don't know. It's just it's a we have strict protoc- protocols in place because of this, and it doesn't change the the outcome of it at all. It's just that I, whether it says forfeit or not doesn't matter. It's the fact that I'm I'm just more upset that the schools aren't playing through these protocols are in place to to sit kids down to do the contact tracing, sit them down, and if you can field a football team, a healthy football team with the right amount of depth at every position, then you should play. It's not even the fact that like, I don't want the forfeit. I just want you to play the football game. Because when, when you went through the, the press conference, what the giant theme you heard over and over, and it got asked, I mean, do you, do you like the fact that you have this time off and the guys are fresh and, you know, or he's like, no, Indiana has played four games in a row and they have a rhythm to them, and we don't. We have, basically, we have no rhythm. It's yeah. one of the things that's been frustrating is that, that you can't get in a rhythm when you keep having these kind of stoppages in play. So Ryan Day wants to play football. He didn't want the freshness. Fresh, what do you mean? Like guys don't want to play dodgeball. No, they've been I mean, doing it, man. Yes, for you want to play. So I think that's the thing that's frustrating is that he he said in the in the response that you played, he, he he's like you can't replace playing a football game. And so what's what's. On the national landscape, we can get in to the playoff at six and zero. We don't want to get in at six and zero because there is a amount of football that every other team would have seen being at ten and zero if they get there or whatever, right? That we haven't seen. Ohio State is behind, which might be a scary thing to the rest of the country, but Ohio State is behind as a football team. Yes, they are way behind, and Ryan has said it. So come out of his mouth. If you don't believe me, believe the head coach. He's not just saying it to say it. They're no, behind. It's, a, it's real on produ- on production. They're behind on on the growth, on understanding, on situational football, on battling through stuff through a season. There's stuff that's going to come up, and it's and the level of play is it's going to shoot up. I mean, this is a top ten. We'll play another top ten team in Wisconsin if the game is played. In between there, there's nothing, and then you're talking about the jump to a Clemson who's played almost I mean they've been playing for a long time right like they yeah. can use the bye week Alabama's been playing for a long time those teams are seasoned they've they've yeah. made more mistakes I mean they've forgotten more football throughout this season than you've played yep and that's the issue it's not a talent issue yeah, it's, it's just they got to play you got to play there's no question that 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 is that is a that's a big deal man that's a big deal playing the games that it will be held against you. Um, and, and getting into that club, Notre Dame has, is eight and oh. Yeah. They are yeah. eight and oh. They've played five more than us, guys. Clemson's played eight games. Now, Bama's only played six, but I mean, the ACC has played eight games. Yep. That's a lot. 
It's a lot to make up. And you look at this and you think of, of Wisconsin and Oregon and you know that the Pac-12 is going to try and say, hey, keep us in the, in the dance. But Sankey's running this thing, man. He's going to run this thing. And he's going to have the support of, of who? He's going to have the support of the ACC. I think he's going to have the support of the Big 12 as well. Yep. I think yep. it's going to be us in the Pac-12 look on the outside looking into this thing. And this will be a de- decisions that are made with, by conference commissioners. It will be decisions that are made by television partners. And the television partners part is why you ought to feel good about things because the television partners want you in, rest assured. They do want you in. Um, but I do think, and folks, you, you know this as well, you've got to get some games in, and that starts this weekend uh, against Indiana. We will dig in on the Hoosiers coming up next. How has Tom L. Allen been able to do this? Is it sustainable in any way? We get to that coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. We are everywhere on your radio, online, the fan app, Alexa, and behind you in your car right now. Too creepy? Sorry. The fan, Ohio's sports destination. Top shelf conversation from top shelf gentlemen. That's a pretty emphatic situation. This is Bishop and Laurenitis. Bishop and Laurenitis right here on The Fan. I want to talk to you about my friends at Jermaine Toyota. If you're in need of a new car or truck, the only place to go in town is Jermaine Toyota. You can get a brand-new 2020 Camry LE for $218 per month, 36 months, or a beautiful Tacoma SR 4x4 for $155 per month for 36 months. $19.95 down for each of those. All offers are good for those that qualify. Go ahead and do what I did. See my guy Rich Newsome and his exceptional staff. Get yourself a brand new Toyota today, 5711 Scarborough Boulevard, or online on the line at germaintoyota.net. Got a great email from uh, loyal listener John, uh, hey, who John. said, with so, yeah, uh, with so many teams not being able to play a large amount of games, I think this would be the year that you could have, let's say, an 18 playoff or six with two seeded. People say the Bucks may not deserve to get in with maybe only seven games if that would happen, but throw all the top eight teams and find out which seven or eight teams don't beat out um, a 10, 11 win team. Um, here's the, uh, here's the thing that's a little tricky with that. Um, and that is the, that would take true leadership. Mm. And there, there just isn't any. No. There's nobody, the, the, as we talked about yesterday on the, on the show, the, if there's going to be some sort of an organized, and we're running out of time. I mean, we're the week before Thanksgiving, guys. Yeah. We're running out of time to reorganize. Yeah. So um, I, I think the only entity that could pull something like that off would be ESPN. They would certainly have the ability to do so, but they would need all of the conferences to step in line with that. And then if you're doing the 7 or 18, and John, first of all, I would love to see that. Who wouldn't, right? Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. But yeah. college athletics is not in the business of, of pleasing its constituency. <laughs> They're in the business of no, making it's money. Not. No, you're right. It's in the business of making money, and you could make money on this, but then you'd have to say um, you're going to have to get – are you going to get the American Conference in? Are you going to get BYU involved? Are they right. teams that, that you want to try and talk to those conferences about? And do you want to share that wealth? Probably not. And yeah. I think Sankey was pretty emphatic. Like, we need to finish this thing. And he's the most powerful guy right now. and. Yeah. And they're in a good spot. They're going to have at least one team in for sure, and they are sitting pretty right now to have maybe two. I mean, the ACC is in a good shape to have two as well with, with Notre Dame and, and Clemson. By the way, it would be interesting to know if Notre Dame would have to split their bowl share with the ACC this year. Mm. Or if they get to keep it all like they normally do. Probably. Probably have to split it. I would think. You bow um, into the conference. That's why they yeah. want to get out. That's why they want to get out so desperately. Yeah. 
Yeah. Let's get so, back to that because it makes us money. Yeah. So I think it's I, – I, while I would love to see it, I just think that the way that this thing's going to go is and, – and especially with the ACC and SEC having played what they feel is sufficient amount of games already. I mean, the SEC is going to play a couple more games. Bama's going to get to 8-0. They're going to play at least an SEC championship game, so they'll have played eight or nine games. That'll be fine. <clears throat> Clemson will have played 10 games, 11 games. They'll, I mean, that's more than fine. They're, they're not concerned about – how many games we've played? That's not their yep. problem. Yep, they're not. Nope. They're not in the business of trying to help us out. No, no, they're not. Um, I, I look. I used to laugh when people said, "Why don't we? Why don't we get into the SEC for the year?" Because they think don't the care. SEC wants to they throw us a life us. a lifeline. No. Why would the SEC help Ohio State? They have no interest. They None. wouldn't. No, of you, course not. You're, you're spot on, which you're spot on about a lot. But the one thing that. Um, you are dead on about is the fact that if they just play, like if the rest of the country shuts down and the SEC plays through their season, they have no problem thinking that their SEC champion is the national champion. No doubt. They'll have no problem thinking that legitimately, no. not just like proclaiming it and like being like a kid on the playground saying, no, 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 boo, boo, but like legit be like, no, name a team that's better. They would, no question. they would honestly think that Alabama, Florida would be the two best teams in the country. Yeah. And and that speaks to some of the culture down there. It speaks to what they've done at the highest level in college football for a long time now, the last over the last two decades. Um, and it speaks to how important that conference is to that region. And it almost means as much to win the SEC title as it does to win a national title. I mean, that that's why that SEC title game has all of the juice that it has in it. Um, so the path forward uh, for us is to keep playing games. You know, yeah. we need our conference partners to play games. Um, I mean, I'm going to be a little upset if I if if Maryland's playing Michigan State this weekend, and I'm get I'm thinking they are right now. The game's on. Yeah. Um, I guess they'd have to cancel it by today. But I mean, that's that's going to be a little bothersome to me if mm-hmm. if Maryland c- plays Michigan right. State and, and didn't play us and played Penn State, which they've they've said and admitted to the fact that they that uh, they had positive COVID tests before they played Penn State. They said what so if in their Maryland plays statement. and they only have like three guys down for COVID? And they said, well, the others were false positives. Yeah, I mean that's because there's no transparency. Anything happens. There's none, so you have no idea what it looks like. And I I do I think that's where is Kevin Warren, man? Where's leadership? Who is who's who's manning the ship? Yeah. You know, yeah. who's who's fighting? We've seen Bowlesby. We've seen Sankey. Like, who is fighting for the Big Ten in this stuff? Yeah. Like, it's, you know, and this goes to basket. We don't have a basketball schedule yet. Like, what are we doing? Who is at the controls, man? Yep. Who's at the controls? And I understand that we're doing, they're trying to do this amidst surging numbers in a pandemic. Yep. I would also say that anybody who didn't see that coming is a moron. Right. The idea that the numbers would go up as it got cold and as we went inside and it's cold and flu season hit. Of course they would. Like, who didn't see that coming? So where we are is exactly where I thought we would be. We talked about this all summer long, all fall, as we sat and waited that we'd be here. Well, now we're here. Yeah. So where's the plan? What was the plan? Ah. <sighs> I mean, it's it's really it's just a lack of it's a lack of leadership. There's not there's no other really topic to come down to on this. It's a lack of leadership. You yeah. you you claim that you're being ahead of everything, so you're going to shut down. Nobody follows. 
except the Pac-12. Um, but nobody else follows. You thought everyone else was going to follow, and then you open back up, and then you make it so hard for teams to play. And, and um, you know, if they do have te- positive tests, it's 21 days, and we have these really strict protocols. All oh, the Big Ten's so strict. Are they too strict? And then you've had three game cancellations with Wisconsin twice and Maryland once, and neither team reached those strict cancellation markers. So I just yeah. don't know. It's it's free for all. Essentially what we have in the Big Ten Conference is you can play if you feel like you want to. If you get to this point, though, where you're both red, you can't play. But if you don't reach it, you can still cancel. We'll give you a pat on the back, say, way to, way to go out of abundance of caution. I, I just can't believe we, that we haven't had something that says... Uh, after the Maryland cancellation, we canceled because we had eight positive tests. We retested those eight players. They remained positive. Yep. Beyond that, we had 40 kids who were contract, contact traced. And it was, we felt it unsafe to play against Ohio State. And that's why. How has yep. that not happened? Yeah. That has to happen. Right? You have to have yep. that transparency because if you don't, then you live in conspiracy world. Yep. If you have transparency, conspiracy dies. Yep. And and that's something that we just right now we don't have it. We don't have yep. it in this league. And so every time we can play a game, it's a gift, but it's also a necessity. If the goal to be to try to compete for a national championship, which is one that is so critical, if that remains the goal, then every game is a necessity, including this one on Saturday against Indiana. We will go behind enemy lines with Indiana coming up next. John Blau will join us. He uh, covers IU for the Herald Times in Bloomington. We'll get his take on what Tom Allen has built and the likelihood of a game on Saturday. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. This year stinks. Here's something to make it better. We're live and local in the morning. Morning Juice with Beamer, Carpenter, and Schlegs. Weekdays starting at 6. The Fan. Two legends, one show. Well, it's all alive. This is Bishop and Morinitis. It is Hoosiers week, a top ten matchup between the Bucks and the Hoosiers set for Saturday. High noon, we go behind enemy lines. John Blau joining us. Covers IU for the Herald Times in Bloomington. John, thanks for taking the time. So just for historical perspective... When is the last time Indiana has played in a game like this on the football field where they are ranked in the top ten playing another team ranked in the top ten? Do you even have that information? <laughs> I got it somewhere, but I have to really dig through my book to, to find it. I know that, obviously, if we're talking about the IU-Ohio State series, I mean, it was back in the you know, 87, 88 uh, games where IU actually won, where they were, you know, a pretty highly ranked team. That was back in the Bill Mallory era. But in terms of this uh, yeah, top 10 versus top 10. I would honestly need to dig it up. I wish it told me before I came on. <laughs> no, I, I only ask because I don't know that it's ever happened, would be my guess. It's probably yeah. never happened. I, I mean, it, the thing is, actually, back in, in 67, uh, when they were they went to the Rose Bowl, um, IU was ranked in the top 10, and they played another top 10 team uh, back then. So uh, they, they, back in the 60s, you'd have to go that, that far at yeah. least. Uh, th- th- there may have been some instances later, again, like in the 80s, when IU actually had its peak with Bill Mallory. But, yeah, I know, I know back in the 60s it happened, so, so it's happened. John, I, I've watched um, some Indiana games. Some of it just with crossovers, prepping for other games. I just watched the, the Michigan-Indiana game. The defense, I know from, from t- 
Tom Allen and, and Kane's philosophy is just they, they're aggressive, right? They're going to play aggressive. They're going to come after you. I think McFadden in the middle is a good player. I think they have corners that are aggressive and can tackle. But a big challenge going up against Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Justin Fields. Is this something to where you think Indiana is, look, we're going to play to our DNA, we're going to be who we are, or do you think that there has to be some kind of tempering back in hopes of maybe bend but don't break? It seems weird to say sometimes, but when you're facing an elite quarterback, that's sometimes the philosophy. How do you think IU's defense plays it? Yeah, I mean, I think Tom Allen was actually asked about this earlier in the year about bend, don't break, and he's like, we're not a bend, don't break defense. That's just not something he believes in. So, I mean, I think I think early on I would expect them to bring uh, the pressure that they bring, and, and I know last week uh, it was during the third quarter, but I remember one third and seven where they brought seven guys. I mean, they brought three from the second level and four up front, and they, they just well, just sold out, you know, to get Peyton Thorne and, and uh, Michael McFadden, who you're mentioning, was the guy who got on top of them. But, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be it's gonna be interesting to see how the game unfolds. I would think they would be aggressive to start. I mean, if Justin Fields is burning them uh, with his legs or able to, you know, get good enough pass protection, able to burn them deep, uh, then maybe you have to back off a little bit. But I, I would think that IU would like to, you know, set the, the what they want it to be. You know, which is to be aggressive and to get after them if they can. Well, John, speaking of aggressive, uh, James and I were talking about this yesterday, and you think about what Tom Allen did in the opener, going for two in the win against Penn State in a game that you know you felt like, from our perspective, that Penn State really put it, really was the better team for most of that game. But Indiana was clutch and had the guts uh, to go for two and the win, and it felt to us like it's that set this off for them. Did it feel like that to you as well? Yeah, I mean, obviously we've seen it unfold in the weeks after that. But, yeah, Tom Allen is, is uh, he's not you know, a fearful guy. I mean, he, he, I think it was actually Stevie Scott, the running back, who said, you know, you just, we wanted to go for two. You just have the heart. You have to have the heart and the balls to do it. And uh, Tom Allen had, you know, both of those things. <laughs> and they went for it. And, obviously, you win that game. That, that sets a different level of expectation in terms of what you can do as a program. Uh, like, like you said, Penn State probably played better majority of that game, but then Michael Penix comes in and just lights on fire in the final 142 regulation in overtime, and Tom Allen even said this. He said, you know, if we've got the ball and we've got Michael Penix at quarterback, we feel like we can, we can win a game, and they did that against Penn State, and then they did it against Michigan, a team they had, they had lost 24 straight contests to, so uh, but that game against Penn State, I think, was really, really huge in terms of just showing that IU can beat teams they haven't beaten in a long time. And it's, it's a real catalyst going into games like Michigan and then uh, this week, you would think, against Ohio State. I can't think of a team in the Big Ten that maybe reflects their head coach more than Indiana, John. And you mentioned having the stones to kind of go for two there. But I think Michael Penix plays that way as well. Against Michigan, he, he now he also was aided by a couple of offsides calls, right, where he's able just to throw it up. But it's been a consistent theme that he's going to trust Freifogel. He's going to trust Wap Fillier. Uh, he's going to trust Peyton Hendershot, some of these guys, to make big-time catches. Where where has he grown from a year ago to this year? Uh, there there's still some throws that you'll you'll see on tape and think, oh my good, that should have been a pick. You know, it was dropped by defenders. Yeah. But where has Michael Penix grown? Is it just that confidence of the back shoulder throw or giving Fry Fogle a chance to use his size to go up and and uh, you know make some catches? Yeah, no, I think you brought it up right there. Um, last year it was a lot of get the ball out quick. Um, you know, a lot of just those little like flare bubble throws to Watt Fillier. Uh, the defense just didn't even have time to get a rush on him. 
Uh, this year, I mean, there have been more deep shots. It's been noticeable how much more he's gone deep to Fry Fogel or to WAP. I mean, you brought up the touchdowns against Michigan. I think it was one third and 11 play uh, where there were two uh, Michigan linebackers who dropped back into the middle and then a safety on the other side. He dropped it into a bucket to Watt Fillier on third and 11 and Watt got, he had to take a hit to, to make the catch, but that's a gutsy throw right there. And then last week you talk about the, again, the back shoulder at the Fry Fogel, the 65 yard touchdown. I mean, he, he shows with that left arm, how much he can whip it out there to a sideline A corner thinks maybe they can have a chance to get under it. And they just don't because it just gets out there and he has just enough uh, room there on the sideline to, to get up the field. And, and run for a 65-yard touchdown. So, yeah, he's just he's been uh, more aggressive, I would say, on the deep throws, being able to you know push it to each sideline. He stresses defenses both vertically and horizontally. It's just what makes him so uh, hard to defend. Uh, he's not running as much this year. Uh, that's probably partially to protect him a little bit. I mean, last year he had some injury issues. Um, he hasn't been bailing from the pocket a ton, but he's definitely been – uh, gutsy in terms of the throws he's been willing to make, which is definitely an advance. John Blau, our guest, covers Indiana for the Herald Times in Bloomington on the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Um, look, this this Indiana program has come over here and made it interesting for Ohio State several times. I mean, these games have been interesting many times. They are, I believe, a three-score underdog in this game. John, what is the script for Tom Allen for Indiana on Saturday that leads for this to be a game in the fourth quarter that can go either way? Yeah, I think it comes down to takeaways. I mean, right now in the Big Ten Conference and nationally, uh, in the Big Ten, they're the, the top team in terms of uh, turnover margin. But nationally, I think they're tied for second right now. Uh, they're not turning the ball over, and they're forcing a lot of turnovers on the other side. So I, I think that's, that's the thing IU has to be able to do. They have to be able to force Ohio State into some mistakes, uh, get themselves uh, some early scores, uh, get ahead, try to stay in that driver's seat, um, and kind of really uh, put put the game in their own hands. You know, if Ohio State's able to just march down the field, and it's kind of a battle of who can march down the field more times, um, Ohio State is averaging what, about 46, 47 points per game. I mean, that's going to be hard for any offense to keep up with. But if they can uh, do some things to kind of, again, bring that pressure, uh, force some mistakes, get some turnovers, get some good, uh, you know, short field opportunities. I think that's where I, I you could possibly win the game. John, I, I'm wondering, give us, give us a name. I mentioned Micah McFadden. I, I like the way he plays. I think he's athletic. He just goes all out, but give us some guys on that Indiana defense um, in the secondary, especially that you think, you know, it's a big challenge with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and just the production that, that Justin has had so far, but who, who is going to be a guy that you look at and says, you know what, this player has to play his best game if they're going to have a chance. Yeah. I mean, Taiwan Mullen, uh, Reese Taylor, uh, Jalen Williams, those are three corners. They like all three of them. And, they've, and I think we were bringing up obviously the blitz game earlier. Um, they're really physical versus the run, and they're not afraid to you know, blitz and hit the quarterback. But they're going to have to be pretty you know, solid today, uh, not today, in a few days, <laughs> against Ohio State and those receivers that you're talking about. And uh, uh, the whole secondary in general, though, is, is possibly the, the strong suit of this team. So that's where you feel pretty decent if you're an IU fan. Obviously, obviously they can't cover forever. Uh, so you have to be able to get some pressure, and you also have to be disciplined in your rush, like I was saying with Justin Fields. Uh, but those corners – uh, are all pretty good. Taiwan Mullins, the one who gets a lot of attention. Uh, his brother, uh, Trayvon, uh, was at Clemson, now in the NFL. 
uh, he, he obviously comes from some bloodlines. And then uh, the other guy I would say is, is Devon Matthews, the safety. Uh, his nickname's Monster. Uh, he's really come into his own as a junior. He's a guy who's really flying around, uh, playing sideline to sideline uh, in terms of that next level of the secondary. And he's a guy that can affect some throws. I uh, can also, you know, break up some passes over the middle. So if he's really active, that that bodes well for IU as well. Yeah, it certainly does, John. What's what's success Saturday for the Hoosiers? Uh, I mean, obviously they want to win it. I think it would be disappointing to obviously have this run end uh, because you know, obviously they're ninth, number nine in the country. It's been great for recruiting. It's it's continuing to change the narrative around IU football. So they want to win, but. I mean, I think if you're looking at it from outside the program, it's be be competitive. I mean, just the last year, I mean, it was 51 to 10. It wasn't even close. Um, there was a lot of optimism even coming into that game that IU was starting to close the gap with teams like Ohio State and just did not uh, bear out at all. So I, I think if they're able to keep this one close, if it's a game in the fourth quarter that you don't know which team's going to win, I think that's a, that's a win for IU. Obviously, they want to win it all, but uh, I think that would be uh, – you know, the goal, if you're an IU fan, you hope for that to, for that to happen. John, great stuff. Appreciate you, man. Oh, thanks for having me. All right, that's John Blau. Covers Indiana for the Herald Times in Bloomington and joins on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Uh, yeah, I think if it's two score, if you, if you cover, that's a win. Competitive and cover. Mm-hmm. That's a win for Indiana. Yeah. I think. 20 so, points. Well, I mean, that's a – Yeah. If you're a program, you should be able to cover. Yeah. Yep, you should be able to. All right, we hit thing or not a thing up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Always imitated, never duplicated. Your heritage sports talker and flagship home for Ohio State athletics. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Well-dressed, well-spoken, but never, ever a well-drink. How about chaos? Insanity. Absolute insanity. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. All right, time for a little thing or not a thing. Chops is here as well. Go, Chopper. Bishop and Laurinaitis. Thing or not a thing. On a first Friday, here we go. The NBA will announce their season in two halves this year. The first half will be released around the start of training camp on December 1st and will run from December 22nd to March 4th. The second half will be released during that first half. They will also hold a play-in tournament for the final two playoff spots again. Thing or not a thing. Uh, I think I think that league has some trouble to it from the from the standpoint of of they play a regular season that that doesn't really matter much, and that's something that's been trending that way. I I do think it's I will say that that is separate from the fact that they delivered a championship. They said they were going to bubble. They had a great plan. They delivered it. They had no positive tests in the bubble, and they they delivered it. So I do think that they are. It's a smart league in that sense, in that they will put themselves in the best position to deliver a season, and I think they'll probably end up delivering one. I mean, I, I sent this link to you, and I don't think we've talked about it on the show, but the Golden State Warriors are trying to figure out a way to test every fan that comes in. And oh, yeah. yeah multiple, you millions, the yeah. multiple millions to do so. And so you figure, how much did you say again they make per game there? And, you know, so you go through all that. And you're trying to five, figure out five million a game off the, just the gate. Yeah, if memory so serves. Yeah, if that's it, then it's worth it. Sure, we'll test every single fan. Rapid antigen, only seventy percent accurate. Sometimes <laughs> doesn't matter. Get in here. Right, come on in. 
After the charges for armed robbery were dropped on Monday, former first-round pick cornerback DeAndre Baker is reportedly signing with the Chiefs practice squad. Thing or not a thing? When you have culture, when you have championships, you can do these things. Yeah, you can do this stuff. And you can take a flyer on a guy with an elite talent level and see if it clicks. You can yep. give second chances. Some organiz- Life's not fair. Not all organizations are created equal. But this is one who can do this without any problem. And I'm not to say, I don't know enough about DeAndre Baker, him as a person or anything, to know if you know he's on any sort of flight risk. I don't I don't right. know that enough about the situation. But um, if if he has had issues in the past, this is the type of organization that can take a flyer on it. Yeah. No. I mean, it's so you you say, hey, he's he's different. He's a changed person. If he's not any any sign of trouble, you get rid of him. You cut him. It's it's a. Certain organizations kind of have that clout right now, and that's definitely one of them. I just saw this from Mike Triplett. He covers the Saints for ESPN. Sean Payton declined to offer any updates on the quarterback position or Drew Brees' status, though he did offer that he was eating a bagel for breakfast. Payton said Monday that it wouldn't benefit the Saints to announce QB plans before they had to. Thing or not a thing? Mm. Well, not a thing because, of course, this is how it was going to go. That why would he? he? There's no reason for you're, they're two totally different humans, Jameis and Taysom Hill. Yeah. So why would you give your opponent the knowledge of how, what it's going to look like or who's going to play? And you're going to see both. I think Jameis will both. start, and you'll still see the Taysom experiment yeah. go on and on. Yeah, yeah. I think you'll see both, but there's he's, there's there's absolutely no incentive for him to tell you who's going to start. None. The Chicago Cubs announced Tuesday that Theo Epstein will step down as the team's president of baseball operation. Epstein's last day with the Cubs will be Friday. Thing or not a thing? Enormous thing. This guy, you could make an argument, is the most successful front office executive in the history of Major League Baseball. He presided over the Boston Red Sox ending their streak without winning the World Series and the Chicago Cubs streak of not winning a World Series. These are the two most storied streaks of not winning in the history of American sports. Yeah. And he gave them both a World Series. Yeah. He touches it, it turns to gold. He needs he's to go the up first to one of the franchises in, in Minnesota. Yeah. You know, he's got to go up right. there and that cannot win playoff. You know, can't Vikings can't win a Super Bowl. Go, you know what? Yeah. Theo, go to the Vikes. Take Spiel's the Vikes. job. Why? I don't know. You end curses. So I'll tell you this. It, it, you do. I do wonder and I, if he would have an interest in football. I mean, Dee Podesta, who's with the Browns, had that. You know, he was he was in the ba- in baseball forever, and then eventually went to football. I yeah. wonder if that would be a way to like. What more can you do in baseball? You've given a World Series to the Red Sox and the Cubs. I mean, you're not topping that. I suppose the Mets. I mean, I don't know how you top it. I don't know. I don't know. But the Twins haven't won. Go run the Bears. Go run the Twins. Like, Go run the like ninety one. I don't think. Right. According to Real GM, the Houston Rockets are expected to sign Jay Sean Tate when free agency opens on Friday. Thing or not a thing? Good for him. Good for him. That's a thing. He's a versatile player, good kid, Central Ohio, standout, awesome. Good for him. Yep. Go Bucks. Tack and dominate. Wichita State basketball coach Greg Marshall has resigned following an internal investigation into allegations of physical and verbal abuse. The school announced Tuesday the school and Marshall agreed to a contract settlement of $7.75 million to be paid over the next six years. Thing or not a thing? I will never understand. It's a big thing. I'll never understand how you can be fired for cause and still get paid. It's unbelievable. Like why do why do these schools offer these contracts? 
Like Kevin Ollie got nothing at UConn. Yep. He got nothing. This guy gets $7.75 million to walk away, and there's all these allegations of physical verbal abuse. Punched a kid. You get fired for cause. Gets, like it shows that. fired for cause. Yes. Yeah. I don't it's understand that. Yeah, I, I totally with you. Totally with you. I don't. I don't get this at all. In the real world, you can get fired from almost any job and get nothing for no reason. <laughs> you can get fired for no reason and get nothing and yeah. like it. And these guys get fired for cause and they get money. I it, I Amidst can't wrap my head around it. By the way, yeah, right. Well, a lot and of people that are getting laid off, fired, yeah, all that, and correct for no reason because probably people in say, the Wichita. You know State what? You punched department. a player. You yell at him. We actually found you were guilty, but we still appreciate what you've done here for Wichita State. Here's seven and a half million over seven years. What? Wow. <laughs> That's impossible. Last one today. Mountain Dew is releasing a cookbook that includes 96 pages of recipes that use the lemon-lime drink in ways you've never seen before, from grilled cheese to cocktails. Thing or not a thing? Disgusting. Not a thing for me. Uh, good good for them. I, I didn't know until right now, I guess I never put together that it was lemon-lime. I don't even know. What, <laughs> it seems like it's its own flavor. It's got to be a little more than... Lemon-lime might be its base, but it's definitely more than lemon-lime. Right? Yeah. It can't just be lemon lime. That's Sprite. I don't, I don't consider those two things the same thing. Sprite Is there and anything Dew. that else that tastes like Mountain Dew from a flavor like, standpoint? You would say Sprite and 7-Up are sisters, yes. right? But you, would. you wouldn't yeah. put Mountain Dew Even in there. Even put Squirt in that Mellow category. Yellow. Yeah, Mellow does. Yellow is the... Mellow Yellow was the equivalent. But I don't, that's not lemon lime. That's its own little offshoot. And by the way, if you're trying to find a way to put Mountain Dew in grilled cheese, then you have bigger issues. <laughs> I have concerns for your health. A lot going on there if you're doing that. Uh, we we hit a little NFL. Meanwhile, Chops is buying it, the ebook version, now. He pre-ordered it on Amazon. <laughs> I don't know how to cook. Nice Mountain Dew chili. That'd be just delicious. All right. We hit uh, a little higher or lower NFL version coming up next. Final hour up next. In fact, Bishop and Laurinaitis is right here on the fan. Two men, no pants. Oh, my God. Common Man and T-Bone. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 6. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Sports destination. Open early for all your sports discussion needs. Now back to Bishop and Laurinaitis. Pat Matt in the update there talking about the teams back, backing out of that South Dakota tournament. Yeah, I bet. I bet they are getting out of that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Um, there was, I saw this morning, I think it was on BBC, that the... The three, the highest mortality rates for countries per capita from COVID death, it was North Dakota, the Czech Republic, South Dakota. That was, mm. I mean, that's frightening stuff. Frightening stuff. So, yeah, I imagine they're not going to be hosting uh, any college basketball invitational tournaments out there anytime soon. Um, all right, time for a little NFL higher or lower. Chops is here. Go ahead, Chopper. All right, guys, not a great week. James, no, I'm kidding. This isn't your records yet. We'll get to that. The Bills are... I don't trust your math anyway. It's all it's all fraud anyway. we got to recount. It's all it's fraud. Like, it's like the state recount. of uh, Georgia. They just found 2,500 ballots not counted. I mean, what are we doing? I mean, that's that's how I feel here. Well, you better be that's careful. I if I go back and look, I might find more losses. Well, you definitely <laughs> will find more losses. The, the Bills that are... That is seven. the best comeback, by the way. It's like, yes. you do know that not every single one of those votes will be for you. Correct. It's okay though. It's all right. Yeah. I just sit Nor here and they poke make the bear. The- I just poke the bear. If you've been in a locker room with me, I can stir it up. I can poke the bear better than any of them. <laughs> this might poke a bear. The Bills are seven and the Cardinals are eight. Higher or lower? Come on. 
I mean, if so, here's the so the Bills are the Bills. So the the Cardinals clearly have to be higher than the Bills because they beat them, and yet I also think the Bills. I think it's as impressive that the Bills went out there and played that way as it is that the Cardinals won on a hail mary. But the bigger problem lies in what's ahead. I I feel like that we are giving the Baltimore Ravens a lot of credit for past success and not this season's success. Baltimore is not the fifth best team in football, and the Saints are not the fourth best team in football with Jameis Winston. They're not. So at the very least, I mean, I would have the Bills probably up there in that four area, and I would move some of these other teams down. I think Arizona's probably about where they should be sitting there uh, at eight, uh, somewhere in the bottom part of the top ten. I think you're spot on. Um, with the fact that it's it's really hard, it's really hard to kind of judge here when you start having these teams. You know, Packers are up there at three, Saints at four. Okay, that's with Drew Brees. They're not. You know what I mean? It's like I don't care what their record says at seven and two. To me, I try to view it as these teams played in a, on a neutral field. What would I think? I think Tampa Bay beats the Saints without Drew Brees at quarterback. I do. Um, I think if you said. Mike Thomas wasn't playing, and Drew Brees was. I think Tampa Bay would beat. The, like there are certain things that you have to take into account. Now, seven to three, six and three, and they just played. The Cardinals are in the NFC West. Yep. The Bills are in the AFC East. Now Miami's do playing a lot better, all that. But for me, head to head, similar records. Arizona has to be one up. But you're right about Ravens and everyone else above them. It just be there's a whole lot of what you did last year falling into that. The Titans have fallen to 12th after losing to the Colts. Higher or lower? So the Colts are ahead of them. Thank you for having that, please. I mean, they got that one right. Put the Colts at 11 and the Titans at 12. Both are 6-3, and three, so <laughs> good there. Um, yeah, I think I'm fine with where they're at. The Dolphins are right behind them. The Raiders, they're all kind of jar- kind of messing, messing around in there. Browns, all those 6-3 and three teams are fascinating. Yeah. Uh, so you have to try to judge who are the better ones of those. I don't know where they fit. It's still too deeply determined where they will match up when they go up against the Browns later on. But I'm okay with where the Titans are at. I think this is a little bit of past bias as well. They're not the same defensively. They are struggling in the pass game. They, they really... There's a certain way they can win, and I don't know if they can win another way. I don't know if they can chase games. I would have them lower. I would have them lower right now than Miami, and I would have them lower right now than the Raiders. Um, I, I think that the, I think it's a little bit of what you did. They've got some issues. It could just be a little funk. I still think they have all the pieces to be a team that, that when things go their way, can beat anybody. But right now, they're in a little bit of a funk. The Buccaneers are up to number six, higher or lower. Okay, so they have to be ahead of the the two teams directly ahead of them. They have to be, be they're better than Baltimore and they're better than the Saints. Um, they may even be better than the Packers. They've played. Didn't they whip the Packers? They beat the Packers. Yes. Yeah. So they have the Packers three. So they have to be that. And and the way around that is that the Saints don't have Breeze. So that gets you around the fact that the Saints have beaten them twice. So I think all of those things allow for the Buccaneers to be ranked higher. I do think this is interesting when it comes to them, threes, and I'm curious your thought on this. To me, their ceiling is higher than the any of the other NFC teams. But yeah. their floor is so low. Like, nobody else on this list that you're considering the NFC gets housed. Right. The Bucks have gotten housed. 
it's frustrating because you don't know you don't know what is um, to be expected of this team like Ronald Jones has a 98 yard touchdown run last game but the week before he carried it like three times right so it's like it, it's all over the Saints game is hard to digest because it all happened so fast it was three and out three and out three and out next thing you know it's 21 nothing and you're like what just happened so the whole game plan goes out the window but you're right they there's with the, if that defense truly is as talented as it is which it is talented there's no way they should get housed like they did against the Saints. So it's a little bit of you don't know what to expect from them week to week. You almost go in as a Bucks fan holding your breath. The Browns beat the Texans, moved up just one spot from 16 to 15, higher or lower. So this is those that group of six and three teams. You can't put them above the Raiders. Raiders beat them. Can you put them above the Dolphins? I don't think so. The Titans are trending down, but I'm okay with where they're at. Um one of the most doesn't make sense things earlier this season is the Titans coming off of COVID restrictions to spanking the Bills at home. <laughs> I mean, there's so much yep. that doesn't make sense here. I'm okay with what the Browns are at. They need to sit there and just keep winning the games they're supposed to. I mean, I'm all right with where they're at. We'll we'll see when it comes to I, the Raiders beat them. That's what's hard. You can't really move them up. They don't, but they also beat the Colts. So. They, they have they have to go ahead of the Colts, um, and and so I would probably take the Dolphins and the Raiders and move up. Uh, and this is all fluid. You're right. All these teams are kind of the same. Um, they all have have real question marks at certain things. When you think about these six and three teams, the Browns can you chase a game? Is your quarterback good enough to go win one when you uh, you know can't follow script and you can't run the ball? Uh, the Raiders have qu- have big questions as well in terms of what they're capable of. Certainly defensively they are. The Dolphins, you got a rookie quarterback who's looked good in a couple of games, but who knows? The Titans, it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain their funk. It's hard to explain getting whipped by Indy. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Indy's got a great defense, but can Rivers drive the ball when you need to? Is he still the same Phillip Rivers? So I think all of these teams have huge question marks. You could jumble and pick them and put them in any order you want, um, and, and really that would be probably – you couldn't really argue too much with any of it. Um, when you talk about these six and three teams in the AFC, yeah. the Bengals are twenty seventh after their big loss to the Steelers. Higher or lower? Man, that was surprising to me. Man, I was surprised that they got whipped. But we had Ben Baby on yesterday, and he wasn't. Um, they're probably right where they should be. I mean, I can't put them ahead of the Giants. I can't put them ahead of the Chargers. I can't put them ahead of the Falcons. I think they're better than the Broncos right now, who are really dreadful. So I would probably move and Denver Locke just down. Got hurt, right? Did Locke just get well? Hurt? Right. He's he's terrible. Beyond that, he's terrible. So I would I would probably move them them down and move them up a little bit. Um, but that was a pretty that was a humbling experience Sunday for the Bengals, who have played yeah. everybody tough except for the uh, the Ravens and the Steelers. And I mean that's just like the Browns, though. To be fair, dominated in those games. I'm okay with where they're at. Did they did they play the uh, the Texans already or not yet? I don't think so. Because I'm not sure I'd have them above Houston, but they're fine. When you get started ranking the 20s, I get a headache. So I'm okay with where they're at. How about this one? The Bears are 16th at five and five, down from 15 last week. Higher or lower? I mean, they're they're they're. <laughs> They're just bad. They're a mess, man. They're a mess. They're a mess. I mean, Look the at who's 19. Four and five, but Mike, yeah, 
Vikings just beat them. I mean, the Bears aren't beating a soul. The Bears are struggling. I believe we had this, all right, earlier yeah, in the year when the fake. Bears were up there and everyone's celebrating. Beam was ready to set the parade down Michigan <laughs> Ave. <laughs> Fraudulent. Frauds. Yeah. I think, if, I think one thing you could do on this and solve a lot of things is just take the Vikings at 19 and put them at 15 and put the Bears down at 19 or 20. That would that would probably be the way to solve it, and that would you know keep a lot of people happy if you just yeah. did that. But the Bears are very there. That is the most fraudulent five and five team in the league. All right, last one I got for you: the Seahawks are ranked tenth, higher or lower? Look, it's appropriate for the way they've played the last two weeks. I still believe they have two. They have two dynamic stars on defense in Jamal Adams, who's not great, obviously, in pass coverage, but they have him around the line of scrimmage all the time. He wasn't great run, run-stopping either on that touchdown run. He was, he, that's true. But, but he, oh, is good. he is good at getting to the quarterback and creating havoc. Um, but they don't have their run game right now, and it's forcing uh, Russell to feel like he press, he's pressing right now. It's clear yeah. he's pressing. Yeah. And I still think that their ability, their ceiling – they can beat anybody. Their ceiling is they can beat anybody. Um, their losses are they're respectable losses at this point. Uh, they haven't gotten. I was going to say, who are you moving so, up, again, up of? No, I wouldn't move them anywhere. I think they're appropriate. I think yeah. they're fine at ten. But just as in the big picture with them, well, I think they're better than Baltimore right now. I guess to be fair, um, I think Baltimore's really overvalued. But based on what they actually are, and they're better. Than but the I do think that true. And they're better than the Saints. Venture. I think Seattle can beat the Chiefs on, if it goes there. You know, I think they're they have enough firepower to hang with the Chiefs. And I wouldn't say that about a lot of the other teams that are around this vicinity. But this is accurate of where they're playing right now. Same. I, I you look sense. at who's above them. You can't move them. You can't move them anywhere. No, that's what that's what I'm saying. They're fine. So I think around. you know it's it, but it's it's crazy because their potential is a top four team, top three team. They've been in our top three. Heck, they're they were Super Bowl picks for a while there. And they've just hit a little dry yeah. spell, so we'll see if they can kind of turn that around. And this happens. This is the time of the year, and you did this for a long time. This is a tough stretch, isn't it? This it around is. this November in it the is. NFL? Yeah. Yep. Is yep. it just because you see Thanksgiving coming, or is it what is it about this time of year? It's like it's the equivalent of baseball's dog days of summer is right yeah. now in the NFL. Yeah, it is. Uh Teams, if they already have a book on you, they figured you out. So now you got to reinvent yourself. And a lot of times, you know, the surprising teams—that's all over with. You're halfway through the season, so figure it out. Figure out a way to keep keep yeah. going and, and and building on your game plan. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's this is fun. There's there's a lot of te- there's teams with high ceilings, um, and there are a lot of teams going to be in the mix. You're talking about 16 teams uh, that are well, 15 teams that are uh, at least two games over 500. That's pretty incredible uh, when you think of what the NFL is at this point in the schedule. Uh, college football will be our attention coming up next, including uh, some of the momentum that is starting to gather around Kyle Trask and and also Trevor Lawrence returning to practice, and also some rather large accusations out of LSU, including some high, high-profile players. We get to all of that coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Season ticket holder from day one? Us two. Now and forever, your flagship home of the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. 
Beat or on the rocks. Just act accordingly. Starts with a glass of bourbon, then goes to, oh, First Blood's on. I think I'll watch this again. You're listening to Bishop and Laurenitis. Bishop and Laurenitis right here on The Fan. Let me talk to you real quick about my friends over at Affinity Whole Health. Guys, if you're over 30, just go get your blood work done. See where your numbers are at. See where your testosterone's at. All your other healthy levels, cholesterol, good, bad, all the good stuff. You know what? They'll help you out. They can get you on a vitamin plan, on a testosterone plan. Everything is shipped to your front door, and they have a free doctor consult right now. Let's go to feelgreatcolumbus.com and find out how Affinity Whole Health can help turn your health around today. You know, I saw this um, on ESPN.com this morning, and it is, uh, it's one of those things that's going to continue to gain momentum, and it's Kyle Trask for the Heisman. Uh, both he and Mac Jones at, at Bama are... They're doing. They're they're getting a couple of things that Justin Fields isn't in terms of a playing games and have played games and statistical accumulation. Yeah. So those things are happening. And so when you see Trask play against Arkansas and throw for six touchdowns, it's one of those guys you talk about all the time. One of those bottom line games. Wow, wow. Florida won by Florida scored sixty and Trask threw six touchdowns. That's impressive. And Max Mac Jones is getting those things as well. And as this Heisman starts to take shape here over the next couple of weeks. More than in any other year, what's happened up until this point is going to be, it's going to carry a lot of weight because mm-hmm. I just don't think that you're going to have a full slate of games between now and the end of the season. I was thinking about that Arkansas was also a trendy pick to cover. Like oh, people I thought did. Florida would yeah. win, but it was a trendy yep. pick for people, national to media, to cover. And so when you have that expectation of like, watch out for Arkansas. I mean, they're playing tough. They're fighting. They mm-hmm. might give Florida Felipe a game. Franks I think Florida back, will win. Gainesville. He, oh, yeah. Yeah, blows up six touchdowns. And it's like, whoa, that Trask guy is amazing. My goodness. Mm-hmm. Boy, did he overcome our expectations of a tight game. And so there's some of that, too. But playing, stat accumulation. Um, it, yeah, it, you can look at the 80% of Justin be like, Goodness, that's impressive. Look at that completion percentage. Look at those numbers. More touchdowns than incompletions. My goodness, that's wow. Oh, he's only played three games. All right, it's impressive, but that's three games worth. You Tried just hit on six. What, right, and you just hit on the two stats though that will keep Justin in this thing beyond just his overall talent and how spectacular he is. But those are the two stats. Uh, the most important one is that the uh, completion percentage. And it's impossible to ask. It's not fair to ask a kid to complete eighty-seven percent of his passes. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Um, but that is that one. That is the one that will have the potential to wow most people that don't watch him play every week. Because the thinking around him is, and and the the way that that people kind of put him into into different categories around the country is, well, Lawrence is the natural passer. And Fields is more of the dual threat, can do everything. But if you watch us play this year, Justin's not yeah. running at all. He's not yeah. that at all. Um, he's not the quarterback he was last year. He's much better. And he's a straight pocket passer who's got laser accuracy. And yes. so the longer that he keeps that number higher, the better. Because that'll be the one that will transcend the touchdowns and the yards and all of that because there's no way that he's going to be able to have stat accumulation like the others. But if he yeah. can play six games and be an 84% passer, that is an attention getter. I think it's really lazy analysis to look at Justin Fields and say dual threat. Oh, sure. Because he is a pocket passer who happens to be extremely athletic. So I don't know what the, you know, the, I don't know if it's the history of the quarterback position and all that, but when you look at Justin Fields, he is a pocket passer 
that when necessary can run the football. Like they only used him to run the ball against Rutgers in the red zone because everyone thought it was going to go to Teague and he just pulled it and yeah. you know waltzes into the end zone. They're not they're not that that only comes into play on like well, I think we got to have it kind of situations. You know, like we'll we'll have him do his own read stuff, but that's not part that's not a major philosophy in Ryan Day's offense right now. It's just not. The zone read quarterback no. power stuff like the JT Barrett days, that, that's gone. That's urban. That's the old stuff. Like now it's I want like he says it all he said I asked him what you know against before the weekly up to Maryland, what's the best thing that he's done? And he's like, it's been improving within the pocket. When a rush comes, that his eyes stay downfield, it's shuffling, avoiding the rush, stepping up, and making a throw. Mm-hmm. That's that's where he's elevated. That's what the great ones do. That's what Russell does. That's what Aaron Rodgers does. Maneuvering within the pocket, climbing to throw, and not just running, taking off on it. Now, if you have to run, like if it's a third and ten, and you're all oh, this pressure, it's man, boom, I can get it, go. But if it's third and ten and you beat the blitzer and you're you got you know Garrett Wilson open, rip it and rip it accurately and boom that that's much more effective. And well, if Wilson's covered, then take off. Like he is a pocket passer that has the athletic ability to extend plays, but he by no means is just like a dual threat, you know, fifty fifty guy at all. I mean, it is no. literally if you watch their offense, it is like ninety five five and how much they want to just purely throw with him to actual called runs. Or giving him the He's option actually, to run. If you're looking for like his doppelganger in college football, it's actually Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, like they're they're actually play it almost identically in yeah. terms of the way that they go about their business playing the game. Trevor, as we saw last year, he can run if he needs to, but he'd prefer not to, and that's what Justin is, and that's what Ohio that's what Ohio State's going to be going forward. And if you're looking Absolutely. for proof, just look at the quarterbacks they're recruiting. Yep. They're not recruiting the number one dual threat quarterbacks in the country. They're recruiting the pro style quarterbacks. That's who they're going after. Is is guy? They, that's what Ryan Day wants to do. He wants to throw pro the style ball. QBs who are athletic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's what he wants. He doesn't want you know guys who run first. He's not run. We're not running read option here anymore. Um, that's that's not what the offense is. And some of this, it, you know, it's it's the uncomfortable elephant in the room. But but some of it is. And you remember Stephen A. saying that Dwayne Haskins was a dual threat running quarterback. Yes. Right. And some yep. it's just the fact that Justin's black. I mean, that's a yep. real factor in this. It's lazy, it uh, but it's it's a real factor and in it goes, the way that and it goes both ways. I mean, how many DNs do you see that are white that you say, oh, yes. high motor, high, high motor. motor? Yes. There's all those code and, words, yeah. You know, and it's like, well, why is it high motor? Why does it have to be an effort guy? And why right. can't you see, and we used to talk about it all the time in Lockroves, why can't you see a black DN and say high motor? Why has right. it got to be he's the athlete? There right. are certain stereotypes that happen within NFL scouting that you're spot on about that. Like, um, you know, how many people saw Joe Milton and just think, oh, he's going to be a you know massive dual threat guy. Well, hold on. Watch the tape. What's the tape say? And, and Dwayne's the best example with Stephen A., that was the best example. Yeah. It's like, no, if you watch, Dwayne is not a runner. And no part no. of him is he, does he want to run. <laughs> like, he was basically force-fed by Urban Meyer to run against Maryland because they needed it. <laughs> like, yeah. It was, it was basically like Urban Meyer was going to go out there and take snaps at quarterback and run it himself if Dwayne wasn't going to run on some of those zone reads. Because it was wide open. Because he hadn't done it all year, and Maryland was giving it to him. So yeah. it's like, you know, basically you have to, you know, have some stones and run the ball is what was the message from the head coach there. But... And you know it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see if Urban you know brings that same thing to Texas you know (laughs) just just relentless it's just I don't know it's a great question Uh, they're not gonna be able to recruit that Quinn Ewers kid if they if they do that because I think he wants to spin it so he'll be in scarlet and gray so uh, it depends on who he brings as his O coordinator 
I mean, that's the, the Tom. Bigger. Just keep him. Tom, keep Tom as the coordinator. But I've I've read stuff about how Tom didn't enjoy his time, you know, under Urban. So, Tom, listen, I know we've had our issues in the past, maybe, but right. Um, little look, Tom. I, I here we had a, a magical a season of fourteen. For you. Just give me the whistle. I'll sanitize it. Hey, can we sanitize this whistle? You got a Perel wipe? Thank you, Tom. I'm the captain. Is it, uh, <laughs> Chris, you can stay. Say, you can stay on the defense. All right. Yeah, you did a nice stay. job for us. I think the uh, is it is it crazy that I can't? Anytime Captain Phillips is on, the first image I see is you doing that, telling that exact way with Urban to Herman. Every time he says, "I'm the captain." Oh, it's great, isn't it? It's the every perfect, time I see it's that, the perfect, first thing I envision it is, is the you perfect doing analogy that. here. He's it in is. A, look at it. He's in the. I'm the captain now, Irish. All right, I'm the captain now. Uh, it's my whistle. Okay, Jeez. and you could do a montage of Urban's career, you know, giving the whistle to Ryan Day. Boom, fast forward, yeah. taking the whistle from Herman. Taking it from you him. You know, at the press conference, yeah. making Tom stand up there, going up there, taking the whistle from his neck, putting it on. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, if he took the yeah. job, and I have no yep. idea. I have no clue. He's pretty He's pretty awesome at TV. Yep. And I think he loves his life. But if he's a competitor, just naturally. And it'd be a way to, you know, hey, you know, you bring Corey Dennis down as quarterback coach. Keep your oh, yeah. daughter and your son in law. Yeah, yep. you know, all those things. <clears throat> what if he, I wonder? Gosh, I should just call him and ask. But I wonder what Brian Hartline would say if he called and said, "Hey, you want to be a coordinator? Why are you doing that to us? What if he called Marcus Freeman? Hey, you want to be a coordinator? Why do you do that to us? Why do you have to go with the, get with our guys? They're bright like, young coaches. I That's understand. Because ta- look, I can't who else is going to go in Texas? He's our guy. What are you doing? I know he's can't be doing he that. He's got a beautiful estate up here. You know why would he want to leave? Yeah, I mean it's not time to open up a first Friday yet. It's it's we got to get to the night. I'm you just saying. What, what would you do then, Coach? If you were starting a program and you're looking around, I want a young, bright coordinator that can recruit, and I want him to come down to Austin, Texas. Who would you call? I don't know. I think maybe Josh Gaddis would be a good fit fit for them down in Texas. <laughs> I'll tell well, Josh. I'll ask him when I talk to him ask later. Him when here you do a Michigan Zoom <laughs> call at noon. When you get on that Michigan Zoom. Um, speaking of Michigan, they are at Rutgers. You have that game. I'm curious what you've seen on film of the Wolverines. Mm. And we'll take a look, at, an early look at the, the Big Ten slate, including Big Ten's Friday night team, Minnesota, back in action again this Friday. Uh, we'll do that coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. One, two, three. The Daily Coach Ryan Day Show is brought to you locally by Credit Union of Ohio and by Hyde Park Prime Steakhouse on The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. This is The Daily Show with Coach Ryan Day, brought to you by Safe Light Auto Glass. Looking at some of the stats in the game notes, seeing 72% red zone touchdowns in relation to possessions. Last year, seeing it was 78%. Ryan, what are some of the keys for a team to be able to have success like that in the red zone? That's a bunch of things. I think you have to understand where you are on the field. First off, your running backs and old line. Every yard matters down there. So you can't have negative plays. Uh, all runs have to go north-south. Guys who carry the ball have to, you know, really get their pads down and get extra yards. So once contact hits, um, you know, they need to get two or three yards more. I think in the past game, the ball has to come out quickly. You have to have a good plan down there because there's not as much room. And then at the end of the play, end of the day, you know, guys in the perimeter have to make plays. Um, they have to make contested catches. And, um, you know, we have to have good execution down there. It's the bottom line. And uh, if you have good execution, it gives yourself a chance. And it's something that we take a lot of pride in. You know, we want to be 75% touchdowns when we get into the red zone. And if we do that, we feel like we have a chance to win. Okay, we'll have another comment in just a moment. 
Their favorite sport is berating their producer. You just sat yeah. there for 10 minutes. This is Bishop and Laurenitis. Uh, Cleveland Browns releasing this statement uh, just here in the last couple of minutes. Tackle Jack Conklin, long snapper Charlie Hewlett, and kicker Cody Parkey identified as high-risk close contacts to a non-staff member who tested positive. If they test negative, there's hope they can play on Sunday. All three placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. That's pretty significant. Starting right tackle, Chris Hmm. Hubbard was already down, was already on the COVID-19 last week. He would be the swing tackle for Conklin if Conklin were to not test negative enough to be able to play. Um, and then obviously you're talking about your two-thirds of your battery on field goals and kicks in Hewlett and Parkey. So that would be a pretty significant loss if, if that trends to the, to the negative side. A non-staff member. I mean, look, the way that I understand it, the only people who could be around... But you don't know if that, that, could, that be, could mean a wife... Yeah, that's true. It could, it could, it's true. It could be off a non-staff member. Yeah, I would think non-staff. Wouldn't you think like ownership and all of that would all be considered staff member? Yeah. Like yeah. That, anybody who's an employee of the anyone Browns associated with. I think if you say staff, it's anyone associated with the Cleveland Browns, employed by the Browns okay. organization. Yeah. So, so this would be somebody who tested positive outside of the organization. Yeah. And those three. We're in close contact. That could be a wife. That could be a kid. That could be... Sure. You know, that could be any of those things. We got the email yeah. yesterday that someone in London's class had a family member that they were in close contact with who had tested positive. And, like, you read it and you're like... So I just look at my wife and I go, okay. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, well, what do you right. want to do? I mean, they wear masks all day anyway, so if the masks work, then should we be concerned? They have them pumping the hand right. sanitizer every five minutes, so... Um, yeah. So no, I, no, okay. we haven't. Yeah, I've, I, we've had, I've had kids on teams I've coached uh, test positive and be out for two weeks and then come back. And yeah. so I mean that's kind of the world that you're in um, going forward. But the this would be a big one for the Browns. Now they've always what, kept a kicker on their practice squad, um, and I think uh, reserve tight end Stephen Carlson has also practiced long snap. So there would be yeah, that's the way that, that usually like a tight end, backup tight end, or a backup. Um, linebacker, you know, special teams guy, yeah. they'll have them do long snaps. That That's every week. That's even non-COVID. You just never know. You never know if the long snapper goes back there. You, last thing you want in a game, coaches hate being unprepared. Does it have a snapper go out there, tear UCL on the elbow? <laughs> Next thing you know, oh, dang it, we don't have – we haven't we haven't prepared yeah. for this. Anyone want a long snap out here? At least, at least now the snappers are protected, right? You can't hit them. So, but imagine that back in the day, like a decade ago, you used to try to smoke the snapper. Used to try, and the reason why you oh, did it yeah. is you wanted them to be terrified of the physicalness that was going to come at them, and then they realized probably not good for the safety of the game with a guy with his head down, defenseless, gets smoked and then trampled by a bunch of three hundred pound dudes on field goal. When did that change? Sometime when I was in the league, I don't know. So when you were in the league, as recently as when you were in the league, yeah, yeah, yeah. because I mean, I remember even certainly when I played, and obviously when and you you played, like that was the whole objective: smoke yep. the snapper. Yep. Smoke them at every level of football was to smoke them. No doubt. So yeah. make them pay. 
Make them pay. That was it. Make them pay for doing that. I just feel sick for those guys. I'm going to sit there with their head down and just get smoked. It's craziness yeah. Yeah. Uh, in retrospect. Um, all right. we Let's do this. I don't want to get into the full uh, Big Ten. We had this this breaking news on the Browns front with a positive test. But I, I am curious uh, what you've seen with Michigan. You'll have the game, them at Rutgers. And we'll probably spend some time in the next couple of days on, on Michigan and their program at large. Uh, but just from the standpoint of what you've seen on film with Michigan and, and where do the problems even begin? Oh, well, the one thing I, I don't think they have an identity on offense. Still, uh, week one, they had a great start. So the only win they have is week one against Minnesota, and they started great, right? They get the, the sack fumble for a touchdown. Um, they get a, they jump on Minnesota. Every other game since then, they've been behind early, and they've been and and it's been turnovers. It's been all those things that have really plagued them. Ronnie Bell's their guy at wide receiver. I don't think they have a second dude, uh, but he's the one guy at wide receiver, really the one guy on offense that you can just tell is ultra competitive and is willing to go and scrap and fight for every yard he gets. Um, their tailback is interesting. I mean, they got the carries are split amongst four guys. Like, they don't have, I'm like, do you have four guys that deserve the play or do you have a dude? Like, is there one dude that's well rounded that you should lean on? But Hassan Hacks, Haskins, like, listen to these numbers 21, 163. Uh, Charbonnet, 13 for 98. Chris Evans, 11 for 34 on the year. Blake Corum, two freshmen, 19 for 41. So that's 21, 13, 11, and 19. You're split amongst four guys. Where's the rhythm? It also seems that the first two guys whose names you mentioned uh, are significantly more effective than the last two. Yes. Yes. And so it's... But there's not... It's just, it's weird to watch this team and not see... And defensively, they're doing a whole bunch of... I think without having Aiden Hutchinson, he got hurt against Indiana. Um, him out for the year. Quiddy Pay didn't play last week. Their depth on the D-line was glaring. Um, they don't have depth at the D-line. Their linebackers, uh, their scheme is, is very aggressive, and they do a lot of interesting stuff. Don Brown keeps doing this defensive front where he has and i've never seen this against the run i've seen it on pass downs but he keeps having like imagine four defensive linemen down you're looking at the offensive line okay there's a there's a d end and a five out which is outside eye of the left tackle and then the nose is on the right side of the center there's a the other tackle is on the outside eye of the guard on the right and the other end is on the outside shade of the tackle and i'm like what you have one guy behind the ball for two gaps, the A and B gap yeah. over there. I don't care if they're moving or stunting, and they're if you like Wisconsin basically stopped the stunt, and that became the touchdown run. Jalen Berger late in the game, and so I'm I'm curious to ask Don, is this is this a pass stunt? Like, what are you trying to accomplish here? Yeah, with this in a very kind way because I've never seen it. I'm just curious, right? Um, and then they're they're you know they they're aggressive on defense, right? So they're going to play a, a ton of man coverage, and they've lost. They've lost, even against Minnesota. Rashad Bateman had had numbers towards the end, but they have not been able to stop the kid from Michigan State. I forget his name. Had a day against them. Um, Green and Gray get tested week in week out. And so, if I'm if I'm Rutgers, honestly, they, and they get a ton of PI calls because they're always in man. So if you underthrow the ball, it's not a bad thing. To me, like if I look at Michigan's defense, usually you think if you throw it up, I mean bad things can happen, right? It could be a PBU and interception. No, I, if I'm an offense going up against them, I'm thinking. Great things can happen. It's going to be PI or it's going to be a catch by our guy, and that's the way it feels. On the, it just feels like th- that. I'm 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 really interested. The first question I'll ask Jim is basically how uh, how do you feel about the attitude of your team this week? How's practice been so far? You know, yeah. and then who who are some guys that you're leaning on to make sure that 
you finish this thing out because obviously it's, you're way below expectations. Is it what's the? I know we're up against it, but I just was thinking about this. Could you ask him? It, how could you word this to where it wouldn't seem like you're taking a shot at him? And I would just be curious the answer. What will what will this when this offense is going the way that you want it to? What will it look like? Yeah. Is there a way to ask that? To, yeah. In other words, what are you trying to do offensively? Yeah. What do you want Michigan offense to be? Like, is that a dumb question? I'm asking. No. I don't know. No, I'll 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 try to ask. I'm him. not I'll saying you should. Ask. I don't know if it is. I don't want it to come off offensive. I just would be curious what his answer would be in terms of, like, he's an offensive guy. He played quarterback at a high yeah. level. Like, he called plays most of his life. Like, what should this look like? Right. What you're trying to do? What should it look like? Yeah. Because I don't yep. know when I watch him. I don't know what it should look like, even when it is going right. I don't know what they're trying to be. Yep. Um. It is a first Friday. We hit you with your officially endorsed and three things. Up next, Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Rothman and Ice, the hardest working radio show in the business. This may offend our other shows, but honestly, they're too lazy to care. Weekdays from noon to three. The Fan. If you say something with confidence, then you can't be wrong. I, just, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. And it is a first Friday miracle edition of the program. Hit a chopper. You drink for the wrong reasons. My generation, we drink because it's good. Because it feels better than unbuttoning your collar. Because we deserve it. We drink because it's what men do. And uh, we're going to go with a specific uh, bourbon manufacturer today. And readily available in some variations and soon to be available in some more rare variations and i'm speaking of mictors they're small and rye their small batch and their rye are both both very very good with mictors knows what they're doing they're very good at, their, at what they do and both of these are winners uh i would also say that uh that the 10 year is going to start to be out there as well and this is the the whiskey. If you're someone who watches Billions, uh, that they spent quite a bit of time talking about the first couple of seasons of Billions was the 10 and 20 year versions of Mictors. Uh, all of them highly recommended and very very enjoyable and officially endorsed on this first Friday. Time for three things. One, two, one, two, three things with Bishop and Laurenitis. Sponsored by Green and Sons, the premier Kubota dealership in Central Ohio, located in Marysville and Mount Sterling. Visit greenandsons.com today. All of these things happened last night. Uh, one is somber and serious, so I'll get that out of the way first. Uh, but I also think it's important. Um, so I finally watched the Jeffrey Epstein doc on Netflix. How'd that go for you? Uh, it's as angry as I've ever been watching something. And yeah. it just makes you sick. Have you seen yeah. it? I have not, I mean, but uh, my, my neighbors have informed me you on everything. sick. It seems impossible. It just seems, I, it just seems impossible that that happened. That that monster was allowed to run amok. I mean, it's... Mm. And not only run amok, but flourish. Yep. Yep. I mean... The, the With some of the money, most powerful people in our country, to get done greed. It's anyway. but even his ascent is crazy. Oh yeah, like he lied about his education. Like it's all a Everything. fabric of lies, and he's Everything. worth half a billion dollars. And yeah, is a monster. I mean, it's terrifying. Yeah. Yep. My first thing, um, which is, is is definitely um, lighter than that. Um, look, my coloring yeah. skills at thirty three have reached their prime. I have to say, um, Dad yes. has two drawings up on the. 
and my drawings, coloring book, execution, up on the fridge, thanks to London, hanging them up. Shelly walks in and goes, did you put your own stuff in the fridge? No, honey, I'm not putting my own coloring pencils uh, picture on the fridge. But last night I hit a combo of Little Bo Peep and Buzz Lightyear, and boy, was that enjoyable. It's the only way I can get the girls to settle down and not do something on electronics, so I sit down and color with them. And i, I got to say that I'm staying between the lines. It took me 33 years, but I'm proud of it. Uh, just a quick interjection. So I got the boys once a college football. There's something on Amazon. You get it. It's a college football coloring book with like legendary college football players. I colored every one with them. I got That's one. Awesome. I got. I ended up buying a book for me. Like it was actually relaxing. There are adult coloring books, and they are very. Yeah. Little, it's a very relaxing experience, to be honest with you. It is. I really enjoy it. Proud of both of you for staying in the lines. My first thing. <laughs> have you guys seen this Artemi Panarin photo shoot that he did with Esquire Russia? He's wearing Oh my gosh, yes. He's wearing sweatpants with a leather sport coat. I don't know, maybe that's a style over in Russia and he's just bringing it over here but He's Russian. What do you I, what do you expect? You know what, Brad man, I'm I'm glad that's what you can get. You can put that on in your garage in Greenwich and you're you're good with your New York Ranger money. Good job for you with your sweatpants and leather jackets. Uh, number two for me and the rest of these are like lighthearted. Uh, coaching 8-year-olds to play basketball is really rewarding and really hard because in your head you're saying to yourself all right we're going to put this drill in and they will understand that what we're trying to get accomplished here is for them to turn the corner and get to the hoop but what you fail to realize is that while some kids have watched basketball who made this travel team and watched it a lot and are big fans and understand the objective there are three or four kids who can't even dribble and so it's incredibly problematic so every single thing you try to implement, there's like six kids that can do it and six who have no point of reference. It's re- awesome. I love it. But last night was, man, you wanted to throw yourself through a window. I'll tell you what. <laughs> My second thing, uh, next weekend, do not have a Big Ten Network game. So I got lucky and I got a Westwood one Bears Packers Sunday night football in Lambeau. How about that? That would be what? a fun radio call next weekend. That's a good job out of you, dude. Just look, just I thought I was going to be able to double dip it. Turns out Big Ten Network only has one game next week. Boom. Don't even have to double dip it. I'll just go right to Lambeau. Flights to Green Bay, Wisconsin from Columbus are not great, but hey, you know what? You you, you live and you learn. <laughs> are you sideline or doing no, action? I'm, I'm analyst. Awesome. Great for you. That'll awesome. be a fun one. Bundle up. Fourth time's the charm. My fourth wedding ring came in, and this one fit. So we're all good. Didn't have to go to a store because I use technology to my advantage. Size fat. Did you? Did you? Size fat. Uh, number three for if me. If they had a size fat, I probably would have gotten it done in less than four <laughs> tries. In, in, one, in, four, in one try. Uh, Bootsy is in this thing where he gives me what he calls treasures. So his treasures all morning long before he goes to his school in the afternoon are he draws things. He'll write like, Dad, Buckeyes. Dad, Browns. And then he puts them in an envelope and sets them outside my office. It's very cute and adorable, but he's given me about a hundred in two days, and he wants proof of life that I've kept on to them. Yeah, you better not. You know what? So I've run out of space. Don't let him catch you. Throw him in the shredder. All right. No, that's why I burn it all. I always burn it. My my last thing. I come upstairs from from my sauna session this morning, and I see the girls have are on their second waffle. London picks it up, notices a bite out of it. She goes, "Ah, I hate the waffle tax, mom." And I just start <laughs> laughing hysterically. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's your future, honey. And she goes, I told you, if you have a second waffle, it's you have to pay taxes. 
That's awesome. And the both the girls complaining over the waffle tax was just unreal. That's fantastic. No third for you, Chops. We're out of time. Rothman and Ice up next. Enjoy your first Friday. Act accordingly. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Atlas Butler is built to keep you comfortable, and our plumbing services are no exception. You can rely on Atlas Butler for trusted, convenient plumbing and drain service. Our expert plumbers and drain specialists can take care of anything, from a broken water heater to a clogged drain. Call today. Get it fixed today. That's our pledge to you. Oh,